0: Yeah, kind of kind of nice of him. I was kind of surprised, actually, to see he'd reached out. Old Clay. Interesting. Seems like a good dude. Yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting, though.
1: Love his logo. Bear grease. <laughs> the hat is so cool. Do
0: you listen to this podcast?
1: I uh, we'll listen to probably one or two.
0: They're I pretty, pick and choose. They're pretty good. They're they're like a more highly produced, like an NPR type Yeah, the Boone, the Boone and, ones I listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah Daniel Boone. They did one like the History of the Mississippi, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Anyway, how you guys been?
2: Did been you, been better, but I'm doing great. You're doing you're, better. You're training yeah. a lot. You're getting know, back into it. But I am. What so, are you What are you feeling? I'm so sore. Really? Like a It's a weird sore. Exhausting sto- sore. Or? No, I know I'm probably really annoying. Just to, like it's hard because like, I keep saying it's hard to explain. It's mm-hmm. like these feelings I've never had. Obviously, I've never had my my stomach cut open, but like. Yeah, my abs are just sore constantly, and it's like a sore that won't let go. You know when your abs are real sore after training and they like kind of cramp up a yeah. little bit? Yeah. It just feels like that constantly right now. Can
0: you do anything, as, far as abs?
2: No, no, no.
0: It's like in, having in, a C-section, huh?
2: It, it is. In, it is exactly like having. Does a it have C-section. Does it give
0: you some more appreciation for your wall? Did your wife have a C-section? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah.
2: And I, I told her immediately, like one weekend, I'm like, I have so much. More respect for you because then they they have a kid at the same time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so right now, like right now they're like, oh
0: here here let's have, let's cut your uh, yeah. your uh, your abdomen open and then here's and a baby then here's a baby <laughs> take <laughs> care, of care of a carry, baby
2: go carry it go do this go do yeah. that and by the way you have a four year old as well here you go
0: yeah manage that
2: yeah it's uh, I have a whole new level of respect there.
1: Well, the crazy thing is you probably realize everything you do involves your abs your core. Trying to shoot your bow, to hiking, to balancing on a daily basis, like, that, a, <laughs> and
2: that's that's been a really interesting thing. Is you always, you know, as you get older, everyone's like, oh, you need a strong back and a strong core, right? Because it does everything. And yeah. I, for the most part, I've always I've always like done what I needed to do for that and core and back stability, posterior chain stability, all that stuff. But it is literally balance is where I feel my abs. Like yeah. walking downhill, mm-hmm. all the balance walking downhill is in your abs. Maybe that's why I fall over. So maybe that's why, <laughs> maybe that's why you do. It's just one of those things I, like I knew, you know, you just kind of generally know that, but like now I really know that. Yeah. Like that's where it's coming from.
0: So what have you been able to do?
2: I've just been rucking a 40 pound pack trying to, you know, climbing to hills. Get, yeah. You know, it's, but it's tough though too, because for the most part, you know, you throw a heavy backpack on and go uphill like it's good for your posterior chain your hips mm-hmm. you know it's your hip flexors lifting your legs against the pack shoulders all that stuff is feeling better But like you still don't get that deep muscle burn because your knee angle isn't deep enough to like get into your mm-hmm. quad and hamstring you know like real deep in there and so i mean i would love to do some like lunges and and you know split squat lunges and all that stuff but i can't do any of that stuff yet when yeah. do
1: you when do you think everything's going to be like Fully there again. They told me six, six weeks. M- six weeks. I was yeah. gonna say like six months or a year.
2: No, they told me six weeks before I can do like anything, like that. Even unweighted, doing anything like that. Eight more, like eight weeks until I can start picking up weights or anything. And uh, but I was thinking about it on my on the ruck this morning. I think I'm gonna get a little risky. I'm yeah. kind of a risky person. I've been going hunting here. Pretty I, quick. I think gonna I'm gonna get a big risk. I was gonna say going I'm,
0: hunting's within your six week window. Yeah, isn't? I'm,
2: I'm three weeks out, so I'm four weeks out of. The emergency operation today. So you're right on the edge, and I'm three weeks out from the hunt, so I'd be seven. But I think I'm gonna start doing some weighted lunges here this week.
0: I don't know, man. I, I'm a risky person. You put it on I'm the do it. You put it. You, you put your September on the line. <laughs> That's true. That is. Maybe I'll wait till after. Yeah, that I hunt, might actually. wait. you will be fine one way or the other.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I just I know I'll be all right. Just I'll grind it out if I have to. But just knowing that I'm not in the best shape that I could be going into a hunt just drives me nuts. Yeah. Drives I know one thing, nuts. like
0: that first day, the first full day that you've got with the pack on your back, like you kind of feel it anyway. Like So over the weekend, Utah's archery opener opened up, yeah, and I hiked in Friday night, and I left left my house maybe 6 or 7 o'clock, got to the trailhead, and I probably did four miles in, going in, right, all uphill, and it kind of sucked like I had a 50 you know 50 pound pack I had all the water I could pack because you know there's not a lot of water back where I was Mm -hmm. going and it it sucked like I got to camp that (laughs) night and I was pretty well sweated out you know (laughs) what I mean and made camp and tucked in bed and I thought that felt harder than I thought it would be. But then day two, three, which I wasn't doing as many miles day three, I did quite a bit, quite a bit more, but I felt completely different about the whole experience. It was just that first day, first climb. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, this sucks. I remember how bad that sucks. But then just progressively, you just—I don't know if it's you're getting in better shape or if you're just used to having weight on your back, which I've been doing weight on my back in the summer anyway. But
2: I know, but it's the time under the weight. Yeah, that's the thing you just yeah. can't train for. Who yeah. of us? Who of us has six hours? Yeah, to throw a pack back on your back. And, you know, it's yeah, like and the go whole for time a under load. Yeah, and that's the Not part fun. that gets me. And I always, I always equate it to the first day going back into summer football. The first day wearing mm. a helmet. And you're and you feel, you feel like a baby, like your head's just going all the way around because your neck muscles have taken yeah. three months off, mm-hmm. you know, and that first day wearing a helmet, you're like, how in the hell am I going to, how am I going to do this? Yeah. And I'm then like, day two, three, you just start <laughs> to pick it right back up and it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm back.
0: It is weird football helmet. The I, only first did, day, I only ever did one day. The with first the football day. Helmet. I was going to say, I don't think Trail and I are I very. Did one, used one day, to that one analogy. day, one workout with a football helmet, pads and everything. And I was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Well, some, some <laughs> listeners will understand where I'm coming from. But that first day with the helmet on is like, you literally feel like a newborn baby. And then you just pick it back up so fast.
0: You're just neck, your neck yeah. gets stronger.
2: But like the whole, that whole night, you're just like, I don't know one Of the worst neck pains ever, sounds like a great sport, and um, yeah, <laughs> you know, this thing called CTE and you know, all this other stuff. It's so honey. a little
0: better though, and you're cruising along. You've been shooting, does it affect? I was gonna ask you, so you've been it, shooting your bow, can you pull your bow back? No problem, not no problem. I can feel it. You feel it, yeah, feel you it. feel this, you
2: feel them coming apart. Well, it's we're <laughs> one of the one of the uh, like feelings I have right now that I don't like, just that like deep internal feeling mm-hmm. that you, it's like an itch you can't scratch. Is when i get my posture with the bow and i'm real and i'm real postured up and my st- that your stomach stretches a little bit obviously because you're yeah. kind of in that the upper posture i can my feel of
0: distends out i yeah. notice, like i come to full draw and i'll like look down or if i video it i, I watch a video of me shooting and i'm like oh man my stomach's like kind of pushed out and i think it's just the way you're breathing it's that, it, it's it kind that of really yeah. like
2: that real tall mm-hmm. i can that's it's bugging me it's like an itch i can't scratch right now i can feel it when i'm but you're drawn. able to
0: shoot and pull
1: your bow back. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I wonder would be like if you just shoot a rifle right now because you have to get in like a plank position. You know, like work your abs, lay not down, good. move around. <laughs> <Not> probably <laughs> just as bad. Not good. Yeah.
2: I can talk about another thing in a plank position. It's not a. Uh, it's not real <laughs> comfortable right now. <laughs> uh, not real comfortable. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I know we're only a little bit in, but I you mean know, I'm just oh, being so
0: honest, being honest with you guys. You know. That's so funny. But you're, you're looking forward to going hot and Yeah. Them. Very are much you, so. You guys have been seeing all the social media, guys smashing bucks. Few, yeah. Few bulls, but I saw Travis Newatt and he killed a big mm-hmm. bull. Yeah. This that was pretty, pretty sweet,
1: freaking bull. Yeah. A great I've, bull.
2: I've seen two bucks out of Nevada and two bucks out of Utah that are just. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Better. I've seen just a couple. Fantastic.
0: I saw one buck out of Utah. I don't even. I don't know anything about it. Wes just Hogan, I think's the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, yep, so I don't, I don't know Wes. I don't know anything about, it, but I think it's a Utah buck. But that thing's a giant. Just fantastic, yeah. all the way around. Just built, man. Yeah, bases on that thing. You, you think it's the yeah. year of the bucks? I don't know, man. Based on what I'm seeing, I'd say no. <laughs> Again, I just you used in the wrong spot. That might be it. it probably is. Seeing a lot of bucks. I'm just not seeing anything. I haven't seen a big, like a true big buck yet. Yeah. Which is, inter-
2: which is interesting because it kind of does feel like it's back this year a little bit. Just from these first, you know, that yeah. has been open for, what, 12 days? And Utah's been four days now, mm-hmm. right? Three three or four days? Open it's, on
0: Saturday, yep. It's
2: looks pretty good so far. Hmm.
0: I did hear, I did hear, I kind of heard through the rumor mill, a lot of people were saying a lot of the bulls just didn't look that good early. And then I've recently heard that they have stacked some on, like, late. Really? You know, and yeah. Yeah. Like, really mm. finished out pretty decent, and people were starting to see some big bulls. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> I, I, is I, a big got, I got a little excited there, and I don't <laughs> I really get see, excited yeah, about that. Yeah, I did see a bull on the weekend. I saw a number of bulls, but I did see one bull I thought was 360-ish, you know, mm-hmm. and big back in Long beams, which that was what kind of had me curious because you'd think, you know, big bottom in maybe potentially. We've had a lot of rain. I mean, it rained. <laughs> My hell day, it rained. <laughs> Here, too. <laughs> it yeah. rained. Yeah, it rained hard all weekend, but we've had a lot of rain in the last month i would say there where i'm from in southern utah but yeah big long beams big back ends i mean it, look, it was a solid built bull so it's, it's a lot like,
2: of fun looking at animals like that mm-hmm. for That's sure
1: makes me kind of excited to go back out and scout my elk tag where well, are you going anytime soon no I was, we're, not. Oh, we're gonna go this weekend but uh we have aaron from gunworks That's podcasting right. so yep I'm, I'm gonna skip it. the scout and uh, Look, do some podcasting. You. I know, such a company man. Company Love first, it. baby. You
0: gotta give up. You gotta give up days on the front end to get take them on the back. end.
1: Exactly. And Trail's also giving up some archery. You yeah, that podcast, yeah so. giving
0: up some days, but like I said, you know, you give up a, a Saturday, maybe take a Wednesday or a Friday or Sorry? Thursday. Oh, oh. So like you got see, look at you company, I like man, figure mean, it figured out. Well, and like, if you're going to give up a day and that goes into a little bit into strategy, I'd rather give up a Saturday and hunt a Wednesday. For sure. You know, I'd rather work a Saturday agree. or a Sunday. Yeah, yep. no one's out there. Maybe not a Sunday in Utah, because people are in church. <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> Sundays in Utah are a great day to hunt. <laughs> but generally speaking, I'd rather give up a weekend and hunt mid midweek, because there's just yeah. far fewer people. Especially on a general season tag, yeah, yeah. I didn't see anybody, I was out all weekend. I didn't see a soul, really. (laughs) Did not see a person. Maybe that's why you're not seeing any deer. I'm seeing deer, I'm just not seeing big deer. Well, that's kind of of not seeing any deer, yeah. Big deer, (laughs) 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 yeah. I've seen plenty of bucks Mm -hmm. that were like 150 to 160. A lot of three and a half year old bucks, just that's a good, I mean, 24 inch four points, you know.
2: You really spent a full weekend, no people.
0: I went in on Friday, like I said, I left my house, you know, at six o'clock, um, drove over. Going up the canyon, didn't see a camp, which normally there's a couple camps in the bottom end of the canyon where you can always, like historically, there's going to mm-hmm. be somebody camped there. There was nobody camped there. Uh, got to the trailhead, parked at the trailhead, went in, didn't see a soul. I did hear a four-wheeler because there's a road that runs the top end of the unit. I did hear four-wheeler uh, opening morning. Uh, hunted that day, whole day, didn't see another person, you know, nothing. And then the next day, no, two days trying to think my days here you're running into each other but I didn't see didn't see a buck and like I said it was raining pretty hard so I took a, a window when it was raining hard to pack out yeah and uh drove around to another part of the unit where I've you know I've killed some elk um you know either spike or cow I have a spiker cow tag and then just an area where I've killed a buck or two and thought I would go in there and look for bucks but I didn't see <laughs> it's funny I saw camps but they were all mountain biking like mountain. Huh. Yeah. Mountain bikers. Really? There's one camp with like a canoe, a couple of kayaks. I um, don't mind those camps. On. Yeah. And they're not, <laughs> clo- they're not far from a, you know, a reservoir, but these were people just outdoor wreck. Wow. No, no, no people that I, you know, no archery targets that I could see outside, you know, anything like that. And then drove up the road up into that Canyon, didn't see any camps and then hiked in and I spent, you know what, another day and a half, I guess, in that area and didn't see anybody either.
1: You think it's from the storm?
0: Yeah, I think that probably had a lot to do with it. I think probably a lot of people looked at it and thought, what's the point, which is eventually kind of what I did at the end but of
1: the day. But you only have so many opening days That's in what I'm life, saying. Yeah. If like, I got
0: a day and the season's open, if it's raining, I'm gone. You know, yeah. I might as well. Even, mm-hmm. And it really isn't so much the rain, it's the wind. Man, it blew all weekend really? long. Yeah. Man, it,
2: did, it didn't It did – it's windier here in a, on a 75-day sunny day in October. Like yeah. there was zero wind here. Mm-hmm.
0: I would say – opening morning it was there was kind of a calm there for a few hours um and then it kind of picked up again but i would say constant like 10 to 15 mile an hour winds it's kind of gross
1: with the bow yeah that is yeah
0: and then gusts you know it got real gusty so that at least
2: you got some wind the whole time everyone's tracking hurricane hillary and everyone's talking i mean granted we did get some rain which was awesome we got a pretty good amount of it but like other than just a rainstorm it was Mm -hmm. the weather was nicer than Wow. October fifteenth
1: down yeah, there.
0: Yeah, it was great here. Yeah, it was windy. We had some serious, serious gusts wow. that one evening. But and it did feel like you know you're talking about seeing you know big deer. It did feel like animals were not moving. Like the mm-hmm. deer that I was seeing were within 50, 100 yards of where I watched them disappear and go mm-hmm. in bed. You know, little patches of timber. So I wasn't seeing them far from there, and they weren't moving much. Hey, had you seen yeah. big
1: deer this summer, and they just disappeared, or
0: no, just not seeing big deer. Just seen big deer in general. Just just haven't seen big deer in general, and I I mean I know they're there. I know, I've I've hunted enough to know that I'm just not seeing them, you know. And I yeah. didn't get a ton of time in the summer to put into it, but it's you know it's just it, this time of year is so weird. And you guys, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but really, I just I was telling a buddy yesterday, like I really just got I just need eyes on on one one time, because if I can put eyes on him one time for ten seconds. I'm like, okay, right there. And then I can really, mm-hmm. you know, fine tune and focus and just put all my time and effort into that one area and that one buck. Yeah. But it's just getting, finding the one.
1: Yeah, getting to that point can be a little difficult. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot yeah. of miles.
0: Yeah, it was fun, though. I mean, passed up, a, passed up a cow elk. I think I was telling you earlier. Yeah. Had a cow and a calf. And just them two? Just the two of them. So I was going to ask you guys, what's your opinion on that? You got a cow and a calf. You got a tag in your pocket. Not not no other herd of No cows other herd, around. just a no. lone cow, one calf. So I I'd seen this cow in the morning and again she was just going to this patch of timber. She's all I saw. Just rear end and could tell she was a cow. She's going into a patch of like regenerated aspens so it's just dog hair thick, right? So I thought, ah, I'm just going to give it, give it the day. If I don't see anything else, maybe I'll make a loop and see what happens tonight. So made a loop that evening. She comes feeding out and uh, she's kind of headed up towards the saddle. So I think oh, I'm going to loop around, find the angle. And she's going to walk through this saddle, you know? So I got there and here she comes. She comes feeding along and she fi- feeds through broadside. And she's got a calf with her though. So I'd never, never seen the calf, but I see the calf now. Calfs. Running all around, playing. I mean, you ever see calves? Yeah, oh yeah. Calf, you know, they're yeah. kicking, they're running just around. just like my four-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they really do. So lone cow, lone calf, what do you do?
2: I wouldn't have shot. Wouldn't I think shot I think you made the right decision. I wouldn't yeah. have
0: shot. What do you think, Brady? If it
1: was a whitetail, I would shoot it all day. So way back in the day, mm. white tail hunting in Montana, I'd shoot a pile of does. Like we could get like seven doe tags a year. Mm-hmm. Shoot them all every single year. I shot a lot of does with fawns. I had a girlfriend at the time. With a bow? Yeah, with a bow.
0: So what time of year were you talking, November? September. September, okay.
1: I told my girlfriend that they were just lone does. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. Smart. You have have to do that, but like, you you do think about it, like those fawns and the calves are less than three months old right now. Yeah. But I'm like whitetails, there's so many other whitetails around, like they'll be okay. That's why
2: I was asking if there was a herd, it'd probably just be kind of assimilated into the herd, and probably would have still made it. But
1: it does make me think though, like, an animal drops in the ground, how long does it take for it can actually survive? So it's been three months now. Like it can, yeah. but like in November, we are talking yesterday, November, December, you'd shoot that all I've day. I've shot
0: calves in December and January. Yeah. And they're the size of a, like a pretty decent sized mule deer buck. Like they're, they're a big animal. And that's what surprised me is I'm like looking at this calf, it's running around kicking and playing. And then I'm comparing that to calves I've shot in January. And I'm thinking, man, the amount of body mass that that animal puts on in, you know, another what, four months? five months. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not, not good at math or, ca- or calendars, but, but, <laughs> to um, to be honest
2: with you, I zoned out. I do not even try to do the math. I just <laughs> said, yes. But yeah, that, uh, the amount
0: of mass that that animal puts on in those months is significant. Like yeah. this, this, it looks so small. And then the other, the other thought I had was like, if I shoot this cow, um, this calf's going to stand there and watch me. Quarter, that'd, be a hard, that'd be a hard thing to do. Yeah. She, she's going to mew. I'm going to yeah. have to run her off, you know, or run it off. Yeah, That is a tough decision because, like you said, it's a young calf. Mm-hmm. But it's a bunch of meat in the freezer
1: too. Yeah,
0: so I know. What do you, how, was, do you, how, was, how do you, it was, you weigh it? Like, it was a bird in the hand, man. It was a chip shot. I mean, broad, You're a good enough hunter, though. I, I mean, Broadside, and that's what I was thinking. It was an o- opening evening. I thought, eh, I don't know if I feel... Yeah. I, I let my emotions yeah. get,
1: get now, look at you man i was growing
0: up yeah nowadays i would probably you know if i
1: if i had to take those does i shot back in the day i'd probably pass them up you pass them but because I, i'm a more skilled hunter now too like i was just like oh i'm getting an opportunity i'm gonna shoot, shoot it and we sometimes shoot two or three does a night mm-hmm. like we shoot a lot of does.
0: but i don't know yeah i think yeah maybe you did the right thing i was texting neville and he's like you've changed <laughs> 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 you've gone soft I, I yeah.
2: for sure would have passed. Yeah. I don't know with my son. I don't know. Like you start having kids. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because when you get more skilled and you've killed more shit, it's just like, huh, ah, yeah. you one, understand you can kill me. Yeah. I'll let this one go. I'll I was definitely thinking, like back straps though. I'm like, man, that, <laughs> that
0: would eat. It wasn't an old cow either. It was probably oh. you know, not like a big, you know, mule headed cow, long nose. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was like probably three year old, two and a half, three year old cow. I thought, man, that would eat, <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't do it. <laughs> Good and then I you. thought, maybe the calf? And I thought, no, that calf is tiny. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I could pack that uh, out under my arm probably. I don't want to do that. Oh, uh, <laughs> gosh. so I, I think you made the right choice. So I, I didn't shoot it. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. Passed on her. I had uh, you know three other bulls opening morning, just kind of edged up to a little uh, little saddle that I've seen some good bucks in before. You know, I've seen some elk work that country. I had these three bulls kind of work right underneath me. They were 55 yards broadside, and I was telling you earlier, man, they're just so slicked off and pretty this time of year. Just Should that summer just coat. <laughs> yeah. School cap them, there's a cow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no thank you. But, yeah, they uh, three three nice bulls. It was pretty fun. Everything mm. cleaned off. Everything polished up, looking good. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, elk are looking healthy. Even the, the bucks that I saw, they were looking, you know, even though they weren't big antler, just 24-inch four points, they were looking good.
2: Man, I can't wait to get out. This is the latest I've ever. I know. I've I was always, thinking, always hunted August. And that, that's, like, this time of year, too, Little League World Series. Yeah. I, I, I love watching Little League World Series. I always have. I played in it here in Vegas and in our team. We never got out of the region, though. Mm-hmm. So Vegas is much better now than it ever was back when I was playing Little League, which was a hell of a <laughs> long time ago but I love watching it. These kids are so fun to watch and they're so excited. It's amazing. And now having my son watch it with me mm-hmm. and then it always kicks off Nevada archery and Utah archery. It's like this whole thing for me, you know, most people talk about opening weekend NFL kickoff. Yeah. I like yeah. little league cause that's when hunting season always sure. kicked off for me. Well now I'm sitting in Vegas watching little league world series. I've never done that before. I've always been in Utah or some yeah. bar in Nevada, you know, in between chasing antelope or something, doing something outside and I haven't done shit. Yeah. It's the latest latest I've ever had to wait to go hunting.
0: I bet you're itching. I know oh, I'm, I'm itching. Uh, i mentioned just after the one weekend, like I said, even it rained most of the weekend. I woke up yesterday morning on the mountain and it was completely socked in, couldn't see two hundred yards, you know, and I gave it what, two and a half, three hours and just kind of still hunted. Found a dead buck. It was really? a, yeah. Yeah. Not, lion kill? Uh yeah, probably lion kill from last winter, I would say. Not a not a big buck, but a buck. Wow. Just a little four point buck. Um. Yeah. Just still hunt. It's a bunch of deer, but just you know, just I'm sufficiently day.
2: jealous. Raining. Yeah. Brady's killed four animals. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Brady. Is,
1: Brady is having a heck of a year. Already. Yeah. So I'm sitting back. I'd be in your boat right now, but I'm like. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I've had a lot of great hunts already. Yeah, you've done but, you've done plenty. But I'm really excited to get back out again. You're done for the year. <laughs> what? <laughs> <You're done. laughs> those yeah. are, those so. are technically spring hunts. Nope, you get no
0: fall. You're just done. He took you're his gonna, days off in the. In you're the gonna hold winter and the fourth down while we all disappear for the next month yeah. and a half. There we go. Yeah. Well, good deal. Yeah, that was kind of the kickoff. Um, I guess one of the, probably the main main focus of the podcast we wanted to hit this week was just q and A. Q&A. Yeah. And I think uh, it kind of was just sparked by. Getting a bunch of DMs and I know a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. A lot, a lot, of, of, a lot of stuff on yeah. YouTube. Um, we don't. I, I try to get back to as many people as I can. Inevitably, you know, I miss some. Mm-hmm. It seems like when I'm on the road, I'll check them. You know, and I'm I'm trying to be better about not texting and driving. Even though my kids will probably call me out on that right now, but I'm trying to be good about not texting and driving. So I, I just miss them at times, and I know that you've probably had a bunch. Oh, I I do feel bad for all the ones that we miss because it's hard. Yeah. And especially when you're gone, honey, you come
1: back and try to look through it. And the whole message request section on Instagram, we got to get rid of that. It's so there's, hard to dive back in there. There's got to be a better way. And sometimes I lose them after like 30 days. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know someone DM'd me because it did not show up right away. It shows up in the message request. Do they disappear?
0: Well, they, they're really hard that. to get
1: through unless you get through all the top ones. Oh, gotcha. Or you yeah. like have to search for the person or mm-hmm. they message you again, Then it will kind of pop back up. And it up gets your... buried so fast. That's what I'm yeah, noticing. Yeah, it gets buried really fast. And some of these questions are super in-depth. Like guys mm-hmm. are spending a lot of time doing it and I want to spend a lot of time to respond back to them. Yeah. That's why I think this is a good way to just do- Yeah, do a Q and A. Do a Q and A. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, before we get going, and I, we've, we've probably got a wider range of questions, I would assume. Uh, I pulled maybe eight or ten of mine, and you've probably got that many. You've probably got that many, but we'll try to get through as many as we can. But before we get going, do you want to hit us with a promo? Yeah, so uh, hunting season. We're here. Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) But like we always say, there's
1: still a ton of of opportunities out there from leftover tags, you know, over-the-counter. You might have a unit group that you drew a tag for. It might be three units. How do you break that down? Well, you can break that down using Insider, and you use... Promo code podcast. We're going to give you 50 points back to the going gear shop. That's $50. You get access to the inside. Like I said, you can break it down using filtering 2.0 and narrow down where you want to go or pick up an OTC tag. We did a bunch of OTC elk articles recently and trails done a big series on that. How to narrow it down. Use filtering 2.0. Jump in there. Use all the tools to the best of your ability to uh, have some success. So promo code podcast will uh, get you hooked up, get you researched, get you maps, take those maps in the field. Yep. Use that terrain analysis tool. Turn on some north-facing slopes at certain degrees. Boom, you got some elk habitat. It's going to put you in the zone to find some bulls trail. Here's
0: a, here's a little map story to here. Yeah. So yesterday morning, this is country I've hunted before, right? So I got up. You can't see 200 yards. It's completely socked in. You know, like I gave it several hours hoping it'd blow out, but it just kept blowing more in, right? So uh, took off, figured out I'm going to kind of still hunt out hike out and this is just like a lot of rolling pinion and juniper country you know a lot of sage big basins you know Mm -hmm. a lot of pinion and juniper and sage so i i take off i'm hiking uh i take the ridge i think i'm headed out on kind of working my way back towards the truck and i'm hiking and i'm hiking and i'm hiking and it starts to lift a little as i get lower in elevation i'm like looking around i'm like man this is i don't don't know this canyon this does not look right you know and i wasn't worried like i wasn't lost because i knew if i eventually just worked my way out the bottom of this canyon i'd hit the you know the main road i'd have to work back up to my truck but um got down in there finally i was like man i'm I'm kind of turned around a little bit and i don't ever get turned around like i can't remember i was probably like 20 22 maybe the last time i remember actually getting like turned around enough that i was like where the hell am i you know
2: mm-hmm. i'm shocked to even have a map story so yeah, I, yeah I i'm already shocked yeah just from that. Maps. So, yeah, yeah.
0: me maps yeah so i actually did pulled out my pulled out my maps um i had you know i marked my truck and uh I had to use that to navigate back to my truck, not, not really navigate, but like point me in the, right, in the right direction. direction. <laughs> that's, you know,
1: that's like one more waypoint than I've ever heard trailed Mark is <laughs> yes, so <laughs> Yeah.
0: So I did. I used I used uh, I use maps to navigate. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And you normally did. I'm really good about this stuff. Like visually I have a, for, for whatever reason, like I, I don't remember a lot of things, but I can topography, you know, vegetation, landscape. Like I've almost, I wouldn't say it's photographic, but I can remember things really yeah. well. The way things look like a rock, a tree, you know. You're an like internal
2: that. map. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
0: yeah. I have yeah. a pretty good sense of direction as far as that goes. And like I said, I was never like confused as the far as the direction I was headed, but... I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna pull out the old map and see how to find my way back to the truck in the most efficient manner, so. You have changed, Neville is right. I've uh, gotten yeah. soft. They've told me on YouTube, so. <laughs> you, you yeah, they did soft. tell you on YouTube <laughs> yeah. you're soft. Was, did they tell them? Yeah. So yeah, someone said, I'm, I'm fragile. Yeah, you, you trail looked really fragile. I look oh, fragile. I missed this one, this yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I I just commented uh, back and said, I am a little soft, it's a true story. Yeah, no, I, I can admit that, I'm okay. Uh, but, but um yes, yeah, so there's a map story for you. There's that's just nice. a reason to use maps. Like I said, I'm proud of you. Thanks, man.
1: Next time, you'll have your camp mark, too. You have a truck in your camp and maybe a glassing spot. And don't get crazy. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, getting, too, not, get not getting too wild. But uh, yeah, If so you would have used maps, did. you would have found more big bucks. Just saying.
0: I mean, I, I use them before I get out there. Just saying. Maybe you that's take what that, it Take is. that e-scouting research and put it on the... Take it with you in the field. Here's the moment. thing. Finding bucks and finding big bucks is the same thing. I'm finding bucks.
1: Is it the same thing? I think it I is the, the same thing. thing. I, I feel like... Maps, you can, you can, I can kill deer all day long using maps, but to kill big deer, that's a different story. That takes you a little find
0: little big. More. De- Here's the thing is, I find big deer in the same spots I find deer. Hmm. Do you? I think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, I'm, sometimes uh, those little bucks are hanging around the nursery, you know, they're not. I agree, they're not, not at the bar with the old everything. grandpa.
0: I mean, I, I'm thinking of one specific area you know, I always find bucks in there and then over the years I go back and like there's always a big buck. He's might he might not be with the nerd, you know, the the young guys, the frat, right? The frat boys. Frat he's boys. not with the frat, but he you know, big grandpa buck is off on his own, but he's pretty damn close to the the main group. Hmm. I don't know. You're saying I'm, I'm. I should just go out and look for a lone deer, huh? Lone buck. <laughs> just no, go you're, you're
1: an archery guy, so they will be a little more grouped up together. Like yeah. what you're saying is sound. I'm just trying to give you a little hard time to help you explain a little Here, bit more. Of what you Here's the you're thing. Seeing. I'm. This is what I think.
0: I think the bigger bucks are in these same areas. I'm just not seeing them. Yeah, that's 100 percent true. I, just, I think they're there. They're just a little smarter. You know, yeah. they're like I'm not getting up until you know 10 minutes. Quote before, unquote nocturnal. A little bit nocturnal.
2: Mm. Um, Ryan Hatch, his famous quote: "Big deer are where they are, not where you think they are." Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, my that's dad the always says famous that famous old quote. Yeah, like, you can think they're in the nastiest, gnarliest shit, yeah. but they probably are really close to the nursery, just not with them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'll find one. Okay. I got a long season. I did. Like I, I mean, I, did. I had I I've showed people bucks that I have found, and they're like, "Oh, that's a really good buck," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, it is a good buck." You it's, haven't shown me. I haven't. No, yeah, I did. Did I you video? I haven't seen yeah, any bucks.
2: So now did, I'm the did, asshole. on the else. I haven't did, seen any did, bucks. Did you send <laughs> I it
0: I or knew show? You would, you'd be like that's just a buck. No.
1: Don't worry about it. <laughs> did you send it or show because sending it is I can't way different than showing because big bucks you should only show
0: not send. I, I probably Because s- that way someone has proof. I think I asked idea. you I said how big is this buck and you're like oh, yeah, I don't th- I don't think he's over 165. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did send that Which to me. This is why
2: I didn't get a text so. I did. It's cuz
0: if I if I found a buck changed if I found the buck, I'd you would know. Okay, that makes me feel better. Because <laughs> there's a difference between sending you a video of you're like, if I sent you this video, you'd be like, yeah, it's a buck. If I found <laughs> if I found V
1: buck, you guys will know because I'm not going to show you anything.
0: Oh, if I found the buck, everybody will know. You guys will yeah, all know. Everyone will know. <laughs> I'll be like, you guys look uh, at this buck. What do uh, you think? Yeah, I, I would send it, but i I found bucks, just not that much. Okay. I'll coming, find it. Long long season. It's like yeah, I was telling it's you. You've got you know the whole archery hunt. I got muzzleloader. I got rifle. So that's nice. nice. Yeah, you what do you you got the same tag? <laughs> hey, easy. You got the same tag.
1: I know. I, I was all confident in one of our podcasts. Is I was going to unretire and take out my bow and dust it off, but and that's not happening. That's not happening because the hunt I got coming up. I'm leaving in five days for so. That took a little priority
2: this guy's got all the hunts
0: that was a long jaunt we took from podcast promo code podcast well no. since, we're ta- since we're on a tangent i did bring snacks i saw yeah. that so Let's we talked we talked in up. the
1: last podcast about trying some orcs. So i made a bunch of orcs, venison sticks this is a barbecue bourbon Ooh, i love barbecue did you yeah? make this yeah i make you corn. made this handmade handmade yeah i, I enjoy the part of give me the killing pro- an animal and then processing give it me a pro-
0: give me the process for these
1: I mean, i made a bunch of steaks and separated the steaks from the stuff I wanted to grind. Normally, I grind everything and I'll admit on the podcast. I've grinded backstraps and I've grinded tender. Have you made steaks life.
0: like from this you No, them? I haven't
1: made any steaks now. I just processed them all vacuum sealed and throw them in the freezer. so I took all their other stuff I'd normally grind, and this time I made sticks.
0: How do you cut them up and not like take a little packet and throw it on the grill? Well yeah. I, I had night. some
1: I had some of like breakfast sausage type things, but like not ground, not, not, not steaks steak. no. I yeah, like to savor it. And at the same time, though, I'm like kind of rushing through this because I'm planning for another hunt, packing, trying to get all my work stuff dialed. And so, yeah, steak only takes five minutes to, to I think do. He's saving them for date night. That's what <laughs> he, he's might still he might uh, I be. He might be. I was supposed to go on some dates, but I mean, here's the thing Brady. I got delayed because of what I got coming on. Picture
0: this Brady gets a, gets a date. He wants to impress her. He brings her over. He's like, I'm going to grill you some orcs. Bear
2: rug in front of the fireplace. <laughs> Grill some steaks.
1: There <laughs> grab, you go. Grab some, grab some Orcs. Let's, let's taste it.
0: So this is... Uh, so give me the full process. So yeah, I, I grind it all.
1: Do one one grind, coarse grind. And then I'll go back through it and add the seasoning to it. And I'll also add some bacon ends and pieces because I like to mix bacon ends with everything. Mm-hmm. And then, so the seasonings all get mixed up and then I'll throw it through again and grind it a second time. And I'll do a fine grind. And then I'll uh, get all that into another meat... meat like lug tote thing. Mm-hmm. And then I got a stuffer, sausage stuffer, that then I just put the right hose onto it, put these little, so like know, case, cu- casings, casing? mm-hmm. edible casings, and then just stuff it in there and then run them all out. And then uh, I, go through and ta- it. I go through and take those big long ones and I'll throw it in my, my Traeger. Usually do about 180 degrees for three hours. Mm-hmm. And then I'll crank it up to 200 degrees for another hour. And I got to be careful because in my tray, I have a hot spot on the back side. So, all these sticks, if I have them on the back, will get a little hot. So, I have to kind of push those forward a little bit. But I figure that's like about perfect for this. Some of these are, are maybe a little dry, drier than I'd like to, but it's tasty. And then I cut them
0: afterwards. And I give it an A. Oryx. Have you ever had Oryx orcs,
2: orcs medicine stick before? No, never. Yeah. What's Guy Fury say? Uh, Flavor City. What's he say? Flavortown, USA. <laughs> he does? That's, yeah. Flavored. Dude, this has got some flavor. This guy, is, this he's is the guy good. with
0: the spiky blonde hair, yeah. yeah. D- diners and drive-ins? This yeah.
2: Is... That guy. Guy Fury.
1: So I had to give Cody Bohr a shout-out, though. He let me borrow his knife for the podcast. So. You is know Guy Fury's a hunter, by the
2: I way. I would not carry a knife. I didn't for know special. Where's Kuyu? He's a hunter. Yeah. Guy's
0: a went, hunter. He looks like he's from Vegas. <laughs> he kind of does look <laughs> So honestly, <you laughs> what's what that <laughs> supposed to mean, bro? <laughs> no, no shade, but... <laughs> so you, guys, you guys actually like him? Oh, I... really good. This is fantastic
2: you bringing this on Thursday? On the. Oh, antelope? I can. Yeah, I can yeah, bring it on our
0: annual chart. Sure. Where do you get a seasoning mix? Do you just buy it? Or yeah. yeah. Um, High Mountain Jerky. Mm-hmm.
1: I get a lot of stuff from them. I get a lot of stuff from LEM. I have a bunch of catalogs at home. My dad's friend, uh, uh, Mike from over Minnesota, he's literally, I think, if he quit his day job and made like wild game venison stuff. He would make a killing, but he's always said like, I doesn't want to make it an actual job, mm-hmm. but he's phenomenal. He's like my inspiration for everything. Like growing up, he would always make, you know, the best wild game food. So I've always just slowly built up, you know, tools and different things to do this all myself. And
0: it's got a sweet name already. Mike from Minnesota. It could be the whole thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Mike, whole, whole, whole name. Whole name. The Mike, from name.
0: Mike from Minnesota processing or whatever. Yep. God, damn, that is good. Why don't we give the whole bag to Cody without giving a few extras? I'll, I'll bring him back. What oh. a nice guy. I'm trying not to chew too loud into the mic, but it is really good.
1: I would probably get some comments about that, but yeah, that's all right. So, they, a-
0: they, they'll be able—they will hear. Isn't that some a- ASMR? Some chewing noises. Yeah. <laughs> they will hear anyway?
2: the flavor through the microphone, oh, and they'll understand how it tastes. Yeah, that is that is really good. It's
1: really good. Wow, yeah, I was I was amazed how it turned out. I have some other ones that are garlic and uh, garlic and pepper. Can't remember, but I have some other like teriyaki ones. I was gonna try to make some sweeter ones. I think I'm not really a sweet person, but I was gonna try to make some <laughs> like, like mango flavored ones or something like that. Like Ma- you can, you can like mix man-
0: mango jalapenos. Yeah. Like yeah, mango habanero. I love good habanero. Good ones. <laughs> yeah. But the
1: problem is I that love them so hot that most people don't really enjoy it. So I tried to not throw make a hot Make them hot, stuff. that way yeah. you
0: just save them for yourself. Yeah, there you go. It's really man. good. Oh, thank you. How long?
1: Oh yeah, the fake bacon what's the process yeah. time
0: like would you say how long to take you it's to a long it's honestly a long time like it's multiple days
1: mm-hmm. i'm trying to do it after work so i have to time it like getting the meat obviously from the oryx or i freeze it and then try to thaw it out when i have some time but like i try to do it right away that way i don't have to freeze thaw freeze thaw will thing. you
0: pack any of this with you on your hunt or i honestly you? don't
1: you don't ever no but i really want to start doing it oh man i would yeah. i for sure would we've been
2: summoned to go help uh a friend of go hunt with an antelope tag here, pretty close to Nevada on Thursday or pretty close to Vegas. And you were bringing that. Yeah. I
1: like a back. I I would probably do it more. I mean, I just picked up a meat slicer. I was black Friday last year. I picked up some other accessories. You did? I, I, yeah. You're talking like a commercial. Oh, it's meat a commercial slipper? one. It's literally like you really see at Arby's. Yeah. And so now I want to take some of my roast and thicker <laughs> cuts and I've always made jerky by grinding it and throwing a dehydrator, but I don't like jerky that way cause it gets too dry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's what, you know, my dad's friend, Mike, he just does that thick slice bacon and uh, throw it in a smoker. And that's why I got a slicer so I can start taking those big cuts and just you mm-hmm. know slicing and processing it that way. Because like I said, I do enjoy this right here. This is like literally, like, obviously I love giant freaking antlers. That's why I hunt for, <laughs> like, not, not the <laughs> only reason why I hunt. But there's my, your my, clip, my, my, right? I was going to say a little side part, but like this. Full was,
0: stop. There's your clip. That's my clip. But <laughs> this,
1: this, though, like is everything. Mm-hmm. Like I have a full freezer. Me be talking about other pockets. Yeah. I have two full freezers right now and I'm going to consume all that. Like make a bunch of these, give them to friends, do that. Like that is the sole reason why hunting is everything to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Antlers love them. This though, I've never bought beef ever in my life. I can say that with full confidence. I've never bought beef because I have so much wild game meat. I to honestly,
2: burger steaks. I honestly would not be surprised if, Brady started making tools out of the bones. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. just, he's the guy that's using my, using nick- it my all. nickname when I was uh, working in Montana was Bone Saw. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. I could see this guy whittling away. Brady's got a lot of newer Jesus <laughs> yeah. bones.
0: Uh, what was the last <laughs> um, one? Um, Birdman.
1: Bur- Birdman. The Birdman. That's the new one. There was that was a, a new one from the Orcs, huh?
0: There was another one, too. I can't remember, but I, Exotic something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brady <laughs> Exotic.
2: We came up with that on the last yeah, podcast. Yeah, Brady Exotic. Mr. Exotic, Mr. whatever exotic. it was. I like that.
0: All right, well, that Let's, was really that was really tasty. Sorry for the tangent, everyone. No man, it r- r- completely. Had to share it, we com- talked about it. Completely, completely worth it. We should do a grill off. We'll bring some steaks in. From completely on the worth it. We should do a grill off at the end of the year. Everybody's, you know, the spoils of your your haunts, your labors. We should do a little grill off. I need do to take cooking. that chili competition back. I will lose the first
2: please. round, but I will
1: join. Let's do it. We'll do okay. it. Let's get some Q and Okay, I'm gonna stop eating into the mic.
0: Do you want to do you want to kick it off or do you want me to kick it off? Kick it off, Drill. All right. So this will only be for me and Lorenzo because Brady doesn't hunt elk. Always <laughs> 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 eat. So, had a question. A guy said he's going on an over-the-counter elk hunt. He doesn't plan to do any bugling, only cow calls. What would be your calling strategy? What do you what do you think, Lorenzo? He's only going to use cow calls. Why? Why? And what do, what's your thoughts on that? I.
2: I would use a location bugle. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for using no bugles, knowing where there is elk. And like when you're into them, I am all for that. That actually is my calling strategy to begin with. But lo- especially on an OTC tag where, you know, probably going to be pounding some timber. It's not going to be real, not real glassing centric. Not Probably you more know, pressure. A lot more pressure. So those location bugles, just those real long high pitch just to see where some animals are i would add that in Mm -hmm. um but in his case when he's saying cow calls are is only the only thing he wants to do um i would just I, i would try to get in as tight as i could and just do real light cow calls if that was my only calling strategy gotcha real light quick cow calls i like it I, I mostly do. use
0: cow calls, I would say. I will say I've used a bugle more in the last couple of years than I ever had prior to that. I've
2: found myself doing it just for location bugles.
0: I think it's a lot of it. When I when I thought about the question, I think a lot of people, the, the reason that people, twofold. One, maybe hunting pressure. So mm-hmm. bulls get bugled too a lot. All the they, time. They might, you know, be more highly educated. So maybe in those cases, um, you know, very few bugles. Just like you're saying, a locator call just to get one going, kind of find out general direction, then maybe slip it in as close as you, you, mm-hmm. you think you can, and then using cow calls to kind of coax a bull to you. I think that's a good strategy. Um, I think that's a good... And then two, uh, I think a lot of people just aren't that confident in their bugle, myself included. That's a beautiful thing about a, lo- a location bugle. Yeah. It doesn't have to sound good. Yeah. But, but I would say... I've I've gotten a little bit better. I just I watched uh, the first draft of this this film that we'll will put out early September of my elk hunt this last year in Utah and you know granted Utah's a kind of a different scenario because there's a little less pressure there aren't as many people although I might argue there might be more pressure given yeah. the fact that they do over the counter you know spike and cow and, and archery deer on top of it but um, I've I've gotten a more confident in my bugle and my bugling and I think it's probably a good tool to have just in your quiver. This guy's strategy, when I read the question, I thought, you know, it's a, it's a good strategy. I like the strategy, but I would not leave your bugle at home. I agree. I would I would still take a bugle, and I would still learn to be as proficient as you possibly can with it, and I would still utilize locator bugles. I think that's a good, good option for you. And then I think elk are just, they're like people. Some days I wake up in the morning, and I'm just pissed off, you know? Like, I'm just upset. I'm having a bad day, you know? Mm-hmm. I think elk are the same way. I think elk sometimes, they're just like, man, today I'm hot. I'm bothered, I'm bugled, I'm gonna get into it. You know, and I think if you got a bugle, you've got that, you know, tool in your toolkit, I think it's a, a good opportunity to use a bugle. So I would say have have a bugle, you know, plan on use it, but I, I, don't, I don't hate this strategy either. Just using a locator and a cow call. Yeah, uh, and
2: I mean, my favorite way to hunt them, like I was saying, is getting tight to them and just do real soft cow calls mm-hmm. just to like pique the bull's interest. You know, I'm not doing challenge bugles and I'm not doing all the loud stuff. I just want to do like a little soft lost cow type cow call just see if I can get some interest to just pull them to the back of the herd maybe if I'm trailing them or maybe get them to circles just to see what's going on. I like the cow only strategy being in, I actually learned that from you in New Mexico. Yeah, I really enjoy doing it. I've only done it, done that since. Um, Killing my wife's bull last year, the only reason we killed that bull is just from soft cow Cow calls. calls. That was it. Just real soft lost cow calls. Nothing loud, Nothing.
0: Yep. I I agree. Yeah. They, they work. Um, I've killed bulls. I've killed bulls. That I didn't call in either. Just using a cow call to kind of keep them going, keep them bugling mm-hmm. and then just worked in. And essentially I didn't even have to use a call. I didn't have to call him to me. I was just able to get in tight enough that the bull kind of worked, yeah. you know, as he's working his cows, he slipped into range and I shot him. So
2: that deep timber though, those, those locator bugles, those yeah, are I gold. Agree. Yeah. So get I, I to the top bugle down into the Canyon just get a general sense. Yeah.
0: I'd say have both have yeah. the ability to use both, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave your bugle at home.
2: And like you were saying, the confidence of bugling, the beautiful thing about that locator calls it. A, a real bull isn't going to sound like that. You're just trying to drop some of that, that mm-hmm. whistle noise down into the Canyon. So it's real long, prolonged. It's like duck calling championships. Ducks don't sound like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like the, it's not supposed to mimic exactly what you hear from the bull. Just trying to drop some of that whistle noise down into the Canyon to get one to sound off. just so you know what direction to start going
1: big fan of those
0: cool we're good with that one Bertie, what you got oh man (laughs) i'm back all
1: right not gonna lie this is exactly what this guy said you can see right here word for word guy's name is christian i've got a couple questions about the best species out there i mean we already know he's talking about mule deer but we'll continue debatable okay drew a permit to hunt deer in the rut Unit is pr- primarily 8K, but goes up and over 10. Back in 2020, a good chunk of the unit burned. Curious your thoughts about deer staying higher than typical, even though most of the burn was 9K and up. I know your theory is that bigger mature bucks will stay as high as they can, even though the majority may migrate down, and I agree with that. I guess my main question is, do you think bucks will hole up deep inside the past burn or tend to stay near the edges?
0: Mm. I got a couple thoughts that just okay. spurred me. So I, my own podcast, Game Trail, I talked to Jared Knighton. Yep. Um, he had a buck. He did a film. I can't remember the name of it, but he, uh, he had a buck, giant buck. Velvet. Is it the ghost
1: one? The ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This ghost something came here. What exactly? Yeah, ghost, ghost something. But yep.
0: he, he, uh, he had a giant buck and he had it in velvet and he, you know, they didn't kill that buck that year, but he'd, told me because I was kind of following up whatever happened to that buck and I mm-hmm. think Connor Rollins killed that buck later on winter range like maybe a year or two years later but he was telling me that that year that they hunted that buck in velvet that buck in December was at like ten five. Hey. like people knew of that buck that buck just never came down like he was belly deep in snow like mm-hmm. carving out a living up there right love hearing uh, that <laughs> yeah I also think of another buck <clears throat> when I went to Utah State uh, I had a buddy that picked up sheds off of this buck, and he was a 215-inch buck. That buck in January was 10.5. I mean, mm-hmm. 10,000 foot plus, belly deep in snow, same yep. thing. So I think there's some truth to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think you could throw a blanket over it and say that that's the case for all yeah, big— Yeah, it's not a hard science. Not a hard science. Um, I do think that that late, there aren't a lot of people going high. Yep.
1: Exactly. That, that's always just a hard part, and that's why I think I've found success in some of those later season hunts going higher because it's harder to go high at that time of year. It's colder, deeper snow. Mm-hmm. But if it has a burn, like that's a lot of – like it's a 2020 burn. And so you know, I think elk, for the most part, do really well right after a burn. Sure, deer can do well too, but I think it, for the stuff that deer need, browse and stuff like that, it's going to take a few more years. So right now, it's going to be a three-year burn. It's probably just getting prime time well, for some the thing, big old bucks. The thing
0: you get in a burn is you get more open – Slope, You can glass so it. Getting, well, you can glass it, but you're also getting more sunlight. So, yep. you know, sunlight the, to the ground. a, a south, south-facing slope at 9,500 foot where everything else has got snow on it maybe a bit bared off. Yeah.
1: So, I, I would tell him, like you said, he agrees with the theory that you're going to be high. You agree as well.
0: I don't totally agree, but I agree I hear to you. some point. I, hear you. I
1: don't totally agree either.
0: But, like, there... Okay, There are some big deer that never yes. come down. I would I,
2: say there are outliers like like
1: those yeah. bucks. And, and the thing, though, is like I like hunting the outliers because that's going to put me in a chance to find a big, mature deer that maybe someone else doesn't know about because they're going to hunt lower. There's going to be side-by-sides. There's going to be camps everywhere. So I want to hunt a deer on a deer's own terms where it's potentially, you know, it's never easy, but maybe easier to kill them. I don't have any competition. Yeah. And so I think this, like my theory always is, if they have... You know all the nutritional requirements that a deer needs, the deer will stay high until he has to come down. Yeah, the does might make him come down because the does will start migrating. He has an itch to rut, you know, guys and ladies, they like to follow each other. Yep. But a big old mature deer who may be something like past his breeding age, and he might be a little bit slower coming down for whatever reason, that's the buck I wanna hunt. And if he's gonna hang out up high and there's gonna be a good burn and it's good habitat in that burn, and it's not any crazy thing that might force him down like yeah i'm gonna go start there and everyone knows i'd like to start high and then work right in so for him it might be good just to start up there check it out feel out the elevation figure out what elevation band those meal there are at maybe they're in the burn maybe they're on the edge of the burn maybe there's some spots in the middle of the burn that are actually good edge habitat because it didn't get burned as hard it wasn't as intense or focus on those edges trickling down in some transition zones he, he did say success. it was a rut hunt though, it's right? A rut hunt. Yeah.
0: So I mean, in regards to that, like I would find those. I check those. Oh yeah. We've, we've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. you know, check those. And then, uh, I mean, if if you're talking, you know, pre-rut, post-rut, maybe maybe you're hunting the end of October, the first part of November before those bucks are filling ruddy. I think you got to decide what you want to do. Like, do you want to see deer? <laughs> Or you do you know, want to find one or, outlier? Or do you want to potentially, you know, find an outlier? Maybe, maybe yeah. find an outlier and it, spend a lot of time looking. At, I've talked
2: know. to some biologists about it, Colorado specifically. The, the feed being, and Trill, you might know about this pretty well, the feed being frozen is supposedly what dictates if they would stay high. So like if it's, even though it's deep snow, if there is some sunlight that's thawing during the day, Some of those, some of the feed that's sticking out, they don't have to paw very deep and it actually gets that feed a chance to thaw out a little bit. Whereas, whereas if it's cloudy and 15 every day and everything is just dead frozen up top, then those bucks will have to pull off. I don't know if I necessarily believe that they have to, but you know, for the most part, if that, Feed is completely froze through. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, the the biologist telling me this. I would imagine there is some truth to like, okay, mm-hmm. they're going to start pulling down at that yeah. at that rate.
0: The one buck I'm thinking of, I know he was eating a lot of mahogany, like he was okay, yeah, flat eating mahogany, just carving out a living up there. You know what I mean? So I, but but you're right, and there are things on different years. I mean, I think if I think feed dictates pretty much everything, like yeah. especially you're talking rut post rut, you know, they they got to eat.
2: Yep. Yeah, so even if there is three foot of snow, it what do you say it goes to? 10.5? What do you say?
1: Yeah, it goes up up to ten over 10. Yeah, over 10. Prim- is, primarily, unit's 8K. If, if they get
2: two big snow dumps and it's over three foot of snow, but it's warming up to 35, 45 degrees and some of that feed has a chance to thaw out, there probably is a better probability of one of those outliers staying up top and just mm-hmm. being a buck on his own. Yep. I
0: wouldn't put all your eggs in that basket, but I would. No. I would think about it. Yeah, and, you never and, want to throw all the eggs in. And again, can, it's it's uh it's year to year. It's going to depend on what kind of yeah. snow you get, how cold it is. And the, and the nice yeah. thing too about a big
1: burn, and if there is snow on it, you know, you can glass for tracks. You can see if animals are there or not there. You you'll know pretty quickly you, if I mean, there's you, anything. You
0: said something like a burn will you know produce big bulls, but you know there was kind of some hesitation about bucks. But pr- burns produce big bucks. No, I, I, mean, I, I, I said during. The I mean, you look at the Henrys. The Henrys was the Henrys breaths, because yeah. of that burn there for. Oh few yeah, years. yeah. It, it burns are essential for mule yeah. deer.
1: but I think the timing of when it's right. best for mule deer is a little bit more delayed. Delayed. Than for elk, elk is like they can go in a month afterwards, and it's prime time because it's more of a grasses Grass. for. Yep.
0: Yeah, and, and time of year. You're right. I agree. Cool edges, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one for you. You ready? This is a good one. You guys are gonna dig this. ready all right guy says going on my first solo backcountry elk hunt i'm a little nervous about the solo part do you have any tips or tricks for a solo backpack hunt uh perspective of being alone that long
2: how many days did you say
0: didn't say but what are your thoughts on hunting alone being alone you know whether it's a weekend or 10 days
2: weekend for me is like sounds like heaven to be alone. <laughs> for a like weekend. Yeah. <laughs> 10 days. That's, that's a grind for sure. So
0: what is it? I mean, what, what gets to you at 10 days
2: now at this point in my life is my family and just not having like that outlet to, to talk you when you're in hunting camp, you find those outlets of like, when you are missing your family, you tell your hunting partner about your family, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You talk about them and it kind of gives you that connection back to what you're missing at home and what you're, you know, what you're sacrificing to be there and talking about it gives you a sense of connection to them. Um, so solo for that many days, that's where I'm coming from as a grind of like not having that outlet to tell somebody about my kid, what he's mm-hmm. into now, what he's doing. You know, if I am in reach text and I'm being able to tell him like, oh, he was at wrestling practice today and he did this, whatever it was, just to have that, you know, that um, outspoken verbal connection to him. Um, but like I said, the weekend,
1: that sounds Sounds, Sounds nice, like a vacation for me.
0: What tip? What tips? Tricks? Do you have Brady for being alone that long?
1: So I, I fully think that this day and age is easier to be alone in the mountains for a lot longer. Way easier than ever was. You like? I don't have you know any. I think it's harder. No, it's way easier. I'll explain. Way easier trail.
0: Okay, we can debate this. Okay.
1: <laughs> what do we have in our pockets at all times? We have a little, basically, mini computer. A rogue. A can of rogue for <laughs> yes. sure. So we have cell phones. All right. Nowadays, what can you do with your family and kids? Well, you can take videos of them. You can take videos of them doing random things. You can go back and watch said videos. You can get inspiration for why you're up there from watching those videos. You can see your kids. You can see your wife, in a sense. You could maybe record a video before you go out and watch that video every single day to stay motivated. We have podcasts we can listen to. We can download offline You know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, watch them in the shelter at night to like, you know, mm-hmm. feel like you're kind of at home. We have in-reach device, satellite messengers. We can message them constantly. You can constantly. download
0: movies and watch them. You and are you know <laughs> like, yes. you, like you guys did. We did. You can put it on your All-In adapter and turn your scope yep, sideways. That's the
1: biggest pro tip ever. Put the All-In on <laughs> Swaro and you can watch Austin Powers.
0: Do you do that by yourself? Do you watch movies? No, ever? not by myself. No. I listen to music.
1: Okay but low volume music. But like, that's the thing. Like you can get in, caught in a thing where you crank that music too high and now you're spooking animals in the area. Sure. But I think, that's why I think it's so much easier now because like I can go on my phone I can start writing notes to myself. I like to write. So I'll write a lot of my thoughts on there and like stay disconnected, stay focused on what I'm actually doing, stay motivated. We're back in the
0: day. You had nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just you and the mountains. So those are, those are all good tips to, to, to keep yourself, keep your mind right. You know,
2: Uh, yeah, those are good. And that's how, if this is a 10 day hunt that he's going on, that's how I would keep my mind right. If he is a family man like myself, I'm just putting myself into the situation. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if I am going solo for 10 days, like I need to stay motivated. I can't, I can't, you know, peter out quick and get homesick and go home. So yeah, having those videos of my kid and having those videos of my family and doing fun things, it allows you to, it reminds you as your mind is kind of wandering that you want to leave i was going to say hell hell i, I was going to
0: say it's harder because you you have a constant reminder like you, you like inevitably if you got a phone in your pocket and you get back to your tent at night and you're alone you're going to pull out your phone you're going to start scrolling through your photos yeah. you know photos right you're going to you know look at pictures of your kids or whatever it is and you know get you, more homesick yeah you get more homesick and then you brought up like an in-reach device right so you've got an in-reach device now you mm-hmm. can satellite message home it's really great it's great for the same reason probably equally as bad oh, yeah. for, for the equally opposite because you're, you're getting constant, you're getting updates like, Hey, Owen had a great game today, you know, did this, you had know. the best game he's ever had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Landon asked somebody to homecoming or yeah. whatever it is. And you're like, man, these are moments I miss. And so I start to miss, I'm starting to miss it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. so, I think in those same regards sometimes it just makes it makes it harder
1: it's definitely a double-edged sword because it
0: can, like I yeah. said it can make it good go, go or, or something place. always
1: happens when you leave so you're gonna get yeah. that in your yeah. smashes now you have to figure it out or what something I'm, up on the mountain
2: yeah what i'm coming to this is a super personal question right mm-hmm. because everybody's motivated differently and and feels you know whether it's guilt or sacrifice whatever that feeling is that you have that strong you back home everyone feels it differently in a different way so it's kind of hard to answer if like this is a really personal one mm-hmm. so for me for 10 days you know, I would I would have to check out a little bit to stay out there for ten mm-hmm. days, like you're saying. Because yeah. thinking through this, yeah, day four or five, and hunt goes the wrong way, and make a couple mistakes. I, my mind, I'm just speaking for myself. I would start going, what the, What am I doing out here? Why mm-hmm. am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, yep, this is too much sacrifice. I need to I need to pack up. When really, it's your one hunt, your one September, whatever it is yeah. for that year, you should stick it out. And it's whatever mentally, whatever way you can stay focused on that and I would have to check out to, yeah. be,
0: to stay focused so as I was thinking about the question I had a couple thoughts one of them being uh, before you leave I think anything that you can do in your personal life to like shore it up to oh, make yeah. it better while you're out there so that you're not worrying about
2: so you can check
0: out Yeah, so you can check out so if you're worrying about your bills being paid mm-hmm. you can definitely talk to yourself you know financially saying oh, I need to go home because I need to deal with finance you know finance a B and C mm-hmm. right so your job. So if you, you're gonna go back to work and you're gonna have you know beef with your boss or whatever because you were out for so long or your coworkers and they were like, hey, we were having to pick up the slack for why you were out. So anything that you can do in regards to your work and your family, your finance to like shore those up and you know it's what is it, what uh, what is it? Clear hearts, full minds, can't lose. can Yeah,
2: yeah <clears throat> something like that.
0: Is that the that football TV show or yeah. whatever it was?
2: The the Tom Brady saying there's
0: there's either i can't remember what was the football movie high school move high school show that always said it do you remember it was in texas Mid- midland T- Var- no no lights friday night lights yeah yeah friday night lights but there's a lot of truth in that for sure uh, yeah clear hearts you know get your mind right if you don't have those ties pulling you back yeah if, if you don't have those ties it's a whole lot easier to, to stay out there you can't talk yourself you know into going home early the other thing i think and i i kind of suggested to this guy uh bite it off in chunks like so i think on the uh, you've made fun of me before but the back of my bow i've got win the day written on Mm -hmm. the back of my bow and most of that was to do with like you know food choices and just eating shitty right but um i think you you bite it off in chunks if i i just need to win today you know and then tomorrow i need to win tomorrow you know and even if it's two hours or five hours whatever that chunk of time is like win that time and then bite off the next chunk after it Mm You know, you do it day at a time, day at a time. You start stacking it in, and pretty soon you've kind of forgot about everything other than your main focus, which is to, to kill an animal.
2: It's actually a good, it's a good point to have, and that works for you, mm-hmm. having that on your bow. And I could see why, because, like I said, me personally, if I'm five, six days back away from my family and I made a couple mistakes, I would start, right, mm-hmm. I would start to have those draws back. But if I did have that reminder of something like win the day, it's like, okay, but I did learn something. Right. Yep. I am on them. I did it could completely flip that mm-hmm. mental that that battle to a positive side. If you did have a little tick like that that you could constantly look at and rely if on if you
0: look at a 10 day hunt as a big chunk, it's like oh it's hard. It's like overwhelming. And you, you you can basically tell yourself within the first six hours of a hunt, this is never gonna happen. Because mm-hmm. it seems like it won't ever. Like you literally think, especially when you're bow hunting, you're like, This is never gonna happen. This thing I'm gonna do, it's impossible. I might as well just bail right now. Right. But if you do that, you don't allow yourself that like sliver of opportunity where it might come together and it might work. So you bite it off in chunks. Like what did I learn today? What did I do well today? Like, saw that animal, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I keep track of, you know, like I was telling you earlier, deer that I've seen. You know, I didn't find the one I'm looking for, but I'm seeing deer. I'm in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a really good piece bite, of advice. Bite it off in chunks. Yeah.
1: And, and you, you mentioned your little quote on your bow that I poked fun at you at the other day.
0: I know you, yeah. But, like,
1: I, 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 like I'll like i admit, I have the same thing, you know? I'm going to
0: write that on some piece of gear that you've got and just send you out, just unknowingly, a little Easter egg for yeah. you to find. <laughs> but, like, you saw, I
1: shared, or... Ryan, who I went or exiging with, he showed a photo and I I always mm-hmm. have a wristband. My wrist wristband says success is a state of mind. Yeah. It's something that motivates me every single day when I'm out there. It's that same sort of thing. I just don't have it on my bow, I have it on my wrist. Bo- it's bo- bo- cool. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna write it in Sharpie on your scope. Ooh, right
1: right on the right on the <laughs> so objective
0: on lens. The lens, yeah, You look into it, it's gonna say when the day in your scope. Yeah. I'm but so
2: much I'm so much more real about this than you guys though. Because I have a tattoo. Yeah. It says turtle yeah, see,
1: power. We all, all have different things. I have a tattoo right did. here
2: on my wrist that says turtle power from everything my son's been through. And yeah. he had to fight through and got through it. And it's kind of my day to day thing. But on hunts, this is actually like, mm-hmm. it's a, it, it is one of those ties back to me where it's like, man, everything he's been through, like I should probably, I need to get back to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it kind of like flips on me a little bit when I go hunting, which is interesting. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's why it's hard to
1: really answer this person without actually yeah, knowing their stuff.
0: I always like, tell myself, oh, my kids would want me out here. <laughs> I'm probably lying to myself. <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, my kids, do you they, say my kids want me. Out they here? Would want my kids would me. want me. They yeah. would want me out here. My kids love me. They would want the best for me. And what yeah. I really want is to kill this buck or bull. They would love this for me. Which I do, is probably true. It, I would want them. I mean, if you it, think about your own kids, you're, you. I would want nothing more than my kid to win a you know, a state championship in basketball. Yeah. Like I, and I would, I don't care. You know what I yeah. mean? Whatever it took for him to do that. Cause I know how bad he wants it. Yeah. Like, I think they would want that for me too. Like this goal that I have, I think, because they, I think they like me. Yeah. I think they would want it for me.
2: I, 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 I do very much agree with that. As a parent, there is nothing. I personally think you could do better for, for your kids than show them. You set a goal, you mm-hmm. sacrificed and you accomplished, You're right? Cheated. Like that's, that is, that's the best example you could set for a kid. Mm-hmm. And that goes in all forms of life. But hunting is just kind of those condensed mm-hmm. ones that happen. You know, it's only 10 days. You show them my sacrifice. This is what I did. This is my passion in life. I chase it and I sacrifice and I all it. this stuff. And this I achieve it. This is how it. awesome it feels. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I agree. That good one. A, that was a good one. Thanks, man. That Enjoyed was a that good one. one. What do you got? One well, mm. not that good, I bet. <laughs> 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 now this guy's going to feel That's bad. Oh, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> no, this, this one's a really good one. So this one uh, we've talked about on the podcast quite a bit, I made fun of myself, you guys have made fun of me. This guy's name is Nathaniel. So kind of a weird question. Do you still drink a lot of water while out hunting or hiking? I literally don't drink much water and could put a lot of miles down, very little water. I always hate oh. the way it feels, drinking drink a lot. Oh, I only I drink when my mouth feels dry. Dude goes on, he went on an eight mile hike, doing a bunch of giant peaks in Colorado, and he doesn't think he only drank maybe a quarter of a three liter bladder. What are your thoughts on this? I have a high country archery deer tag and everyone seems to be worried about me not drinking enough. Only reason I brought it up is because you guys were talking about it on the Big Hunt Guys podcast.
0: So I'm gonna answer. I got a story for this one too. And then I wanna hear what you have to say. Oh yeah, I got a lot. So Friday night, I I hiked in. I already told you I packed water, right? packing a lot of water and I'm planning to stay for a few days. So I'm trying to conserve water, right? Mm -hmm. I get in there, I go to bed that night. I wake up at three in the morning with like the most pounder of a headache that mm-hmm. I've had in a really long time. I'm like, I'm dehydrated. Like I know it already, you know? So I drink a bunch of water. I take a couple of Tylenol. I lay there for probably another hour and a half. I go back to sleep for another hour and a half. And then I get up and go hunting and I felt great the rest of the day. But I know for a fact, like I was dehydrated mm-hmm. and water and you got to have water. Like I don't, I'm of the opinion now. I'm like, I'm kind of like you. I have been like why I try to conserve water, but you definitely have to have water and enough water to perform. So for me, I got to have water.
1: Are you supplementing with some electrolytes?
0: Uh, I hadn't. I hadn't then. No. I mean. I think that's a game changer. Yeah. Do you think that's the big difference? Yeah. But uh, do you have anything else? No, That's it. I'll, I'll
1: take home, drink water. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. So last year, you know, I made that gallon challenge. Mm-hmm. How long did you go trail? You've been I gave
0: it to the time period, but I haven't been good. Since. Yeah, I've been fairly, uh, I met my goal.
2: You quitters.
1: I've been fairly,
0: I've been fairly good. You know, I carry on that gallon or half
1: gallon jug all the time. I fill it up twice a day. I drink a lot of it in the evening. Um, but I still don't know fully if I feel the benefits because now so, I used to always say, you know, I live at a constant state of dehydration that my body just naturally knows what to do. It's, it's always dehydrated. So, I never really need a lot of water. When I get water, I just perform a little bit better, but I'm always dehydrated. So, I know what my body does when I go in the mountains. I don't need extra water. All right.
2: I've never believed this. Okay. Yes. I know. I know, it's, I know it's on LZ. I know
1: if you listen to Huberman science. Lab, all that science. stuff. Like, I've listened to his podcast on hydration, and it kind of changed my thoughts a little bit. But so, lately, this whole year, when I've been drinking a gallon of water a day, now I realize I crave water. I need water to mm. actually perform where before I was still able to perform with lower water. But now if I try to perform without that water, I have a harder time performing so at the backwards I would. in your mind. I, in a way I kind of have, so I'm not sure exactly fully what it is. I'm, I'm also working out more than I ever have mm. lifting more weights and running. So that's probably gonna be a thing as well. So I do need, probably need that water a little bit more. So I think it's a balancing point, but I will agree with him though. Like, it's hard for me on a hunt to, to put water down. I will just keep going and not, and I'll forget to drink water. But when I drink it, you know, it definitely helps. But for me, I think it's more sleep than water. And again, I'm not a scientist. I'm probably bass backwards in a lot of things in life. You guys all know me, but if I can get more sleep, I can combat less water. I feel more recovered, but yeah, if I'm, if I, get really dehydrated, my mouth is dry, that's when I really need the water or else I know something bad's gonna happen. But if I'm at that mediocre point, I'll conserve a lot of water to keep pushing and keep going further.
0: I I would say two things, drink when you're thirsty, so pay attention to it. And I don't know how old this guy is, but I know that the older I've gotten, the more like in tune with my body I feel. So like what I eat, what I drink, I could definitely, like the results, I can feel it Mm -hmm. pretty quick. So I would say you know pay attention is cliche as this sounds like pay attention to your body and i'm concerned for him i would drink water more water if yeah. i were him
1: but that's why i've also said that like supplement things big i sure. always do i always do salt pills yeah you know try to get as much sodium as mm-hmm. possible and now you know supplement that with some powder in in water
0: what do you think lorenzo you're you're nutrition the guy, water guy.
1: guy. totally debunk me right now put me in my place
2: <laughs> yeah, your your science of constant state of dehydration that that science doesn't work like that. I know it's um, not really good. He said he said he doesn't like f- the feeling of drinking a bunch of water. Yeah, he
0: Doesn't
1: like the feeling of drinking a lot when he's on a
0: hike or on a hunt. I don't yeah. think you drink a lot. I think beforehand. And
2: if if you drink a lot in one sitting to try to get water in to then just not think about it. Yeah. You're going to feel like shit and kind of have that slosh feeling in your stomach, which I don't like to drink water before I work out in the morning for that, for that same reason. I just don't like that slosh in my stomach. However, immediately after I drink at least a half gallon before I even get into the office, um, because water, the hydration is your entire body obviously runs off of hydration. You can live three, what is it? Three and a half days without water. But you can live however long without food. Like yeah. it is, it is essential in all parts of body performance, cognitive function. It is, everything is the hydration of the body, especially when you're talking about performance in the backcountry, because muscle is what is going to help you do everything back there, right? Like mm-hmm. nothing is easy in the backcountry, And if you're not properly hydrated, then your muscles aren't going to be working right. Yep. Now your salt pills and all that stuff, if you are going to drink less water you have got to take some some type of sodium and the the going rate of sodium for like let's just say the average on a bell curve is 1200 milligrams per hour of sweating workout like if you just have a light sweat for however many hours you had that light sweat is how is 1200 milligrams per the hour of of that does that make sense math and that is going to help you hold the water that you've taken in or at least hold it into the you know the muscles and the, the functions of your body that you do need to help you hold that little bit of water you've taken. But then you talked about sleep. Sleep, the the sleep is directly correlated to your resting heart rate, like the type of sleep you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. So if your resting heart rate gets lower, you're gonna get better sleep. Your body's gonna recover better. Water is directly correlated to that. So being mm-hmm. properly hydrated is gonna allow your, your heart, intestines, all of that stuff to relax a little bit and actually flush all the work that you've done from that day, being properly hydrated. And I mean, I would imagine a lot of people know this, but I don't know. Breathing is how you, your exhale is where you lose the most amount of water possible. So if you are doing active work and you're breathing heavily, just because you've only peed twice doesn't mean you're, I mean, you've already lost 20 X the amount of water from that pee just from your breathing. And if you're at elevation, your respiratory rate is, raised you're the working energy, right hard. so it's mm-hmm. you're it's kind of a double whammy is you're at elevation so your respiratory rate just at uh, your resting heart rate is higher going to lose more water and then you put the active you know mm-hmm. the active count on top of that and it kind of multiplies so i am concerned for this guy if that's what he's talking about yeah, he,
1: he said he did an eight mile hike climbing four 13,000 peaks in colorado in, in an eight mile hike. So what he's doing, and he's only got a quarter of a three liter
2: bladder. So what he did, he, he pushed that day and you can do that. Yeah. The next day is where you're going to suffer. So that's the thing with hydration is the day you're doing it, you can push through, you can get through a lot of it, but the next day is that's compounding. You you're already so dehydrated now going into that next day. And then if you do that again, you're even more dehydrated going into the, the third day mm-hmm. and it just compounds on itself. So now your sleep's getting worse, cognitive yep. functions getting worse. Uh, muscle and, and and flushing lactic acids and all those things that you need to do to recover to actually perform the next day, that's what you're putting at risk by being dehydrated.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The biggest thing I could say is, and the best way to drink, you know, Andrew Huberman, Peter Atiyah, all these guys, just drink a little bit of water all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that's where you don't get that slosh in your gut. Or yeah. You you know, that's yeah. where you, you don't drink get that. Yeah. Drink when you're thirsty. Drink when you're thirsty. A little bit. And yep. just drink a little more than mm-hmm. you think. So like, if you kind of put your thirst at bay, just drink a little bit more mm-hmm. to
1: the point where you don't have the slosh feeling, but you still just took in a little bit more water. Yeah. I was listening to his Huberman Labs podcast when I was up elk scouting and uh, he was saying something about um, that first 10 hours when you wake up, that's the most important cracking right. your hydration. Do you, do you ever, a little side tangent though, do you ever feel like on a cold hunt, like late November hunt, you drink less water? Yeah. I always say like for whatever reason, I just absolutely. don't drink as much as I should in the summer months. For sure. I absolutely. just forget that's it's, is there a reason for that a lot of the time cold yeah it's, <laughs> it's cold <laughs>
2: and a lot of the time is <laughs> the water's cold yeah you know what i mean yeah and like uh, drinking cold when you're dehydrated drinking cold water is very hard that's why i like room temperature water yeah. um but uh, yeah i, I mean i am by no means a scientist here but i am for my own regard very well versed in nutrition and all this stuff just so i can help perform so i hope that all made sense but I mean, what you're doing when you're not drinking water is you're just completely fucking up the next day. That's yeah. all you're doing. And that's so like for his, he, I don't know how many days he can push like that, but I can guarantee you day two, day three, day four, day five, it's only going to get worse.
1: It's going to catch up with him. It's only going to get worse. That's good thoughts. I have one more thing. See, a mule deer get a lot of their water from vegetation. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like a mule deer. That's eating? why I don't need a lot of water all the time. So packing, I get, it, I, get it, I get it from my food.
0: You're packing celery and eating that. And yep, yep what food are you eating with <laughs> yeah, water yeah know, there's I, no food you're eating I, with water the in random man. thought came to my head and i was like <laughs> you know i'm the other to get
1: your bege- water from the vegetation i get my water from the food i eat during the day just that's why fixed, i don't need a lot of extra water all
0: fours out there just grazing yeah you know eating some grass some and the other the other thing too about hydration
2: is the delivery of nutrients that you just ate so if you are dehydrated even though you're eating nutrients you're actually it's not bioavailable within your stomach because you don't have the water to take it and actually transport it to where it needs to go hmm so that's another
1: huge thing.
0: drink water we've
1: had a lot of uh people write in that we need to do some more nutrition and podcasts and that right there was pure gold that should, was good we need to expand on that i would really love good. to get peter
2: at t here that, that was would really be good. awesome yeah. let's reach out to that guy he's a bow hunter right here he he's into archery he's not so much a bow Oh, hunt. i mean he does bow hunt gotcha. but he's much more of an archer. he loves to shoot archery
0: there you go all right this one's not nearly as complex but it is interesting and you guys have a lot of experience with this so i thought i'd ask do you guys have any tips for flying with a weapon, bow or rifle? I've never done it before, but I'm going to be. I know that you're going to be. You have a number mm-hmm. of times. I have a number and of I'm, times. And I'm going to be as well. And you're going to be as well. What tips and tricks do you got for flying with a weapon?
1: Where do we start? I mean... I got a great place to start.
0: Start the case. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I or,
1: the, big, the biggest thing to me is if you have a bow, don't get a bow-shaped case. Reason why? Those TSA agents bless their heart, they might see that as a weapon and they might decide to throw it on really rough. Where if you just have a rectangular shaped case, like a rifle case, rifle case can still fit a bow in it very, very well, it can fit all your gear, some optics in there. It's gonna be probably treated a little bit better because it could be a guitar, it could be something else. You never really know what it is, but I think a bow shaped case just sets yourself up for you know, a yeah. hunter. a hunter, you have, you, you have something expensive in here, we're
0: gonna treat it badly. <laughs> all right. I think they do that on purpose. Yeah. You do. Yeah do you think they're 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 chucking it yeah they're like and let's see what we can put this through
1: and the second big tip is when you <laughs> put your whatever bow rifle like i will set my rifle in there i will put a rifle scope cover on my rifle to help add some extra padding to that rifle I'll what put kind it of the, case are you getting though i have an skb double rifle case okay you i have a do pelican you know? something
0: Mine's a, mine's a Pelican too, a V37. And again, Maybe, mine's, I don't my, know what the model is. Mine's, it's a, mine's a rifle case that I took the foam out. Mm-hmm. I, actually, what I did is I laid my bow on the foam, and then I used just an Exacto knife and cut the shape of my bow out. Yep. And then I've got a base layer of foam uh, in it. I lay my bow in it, which now is the exact shape of my bow because I cut it out. And then I mm-hmm. layer layer everything in it, but. Yeah. That's what I use. It's a hard, hard-sided case for sure with locks.
2: Hard-sided case with locks for sure. And then I, I am a huge proponent of buying an oversized case, and making that your suitcase. So, like when I'm when I'm going to Canada with this bow case, what I'll do is I'll have my bow into the case itself, and then I'll put my hunting clothes, and I'll kind of build a little like uh, secondary rest for it, and have my sight not pressed against anything so my sight's kind of free-floating mm-hmm. each you know limb the the curve of the limb is kind of sitting on the clothes if I'm making sense there and then put all my optics put everything into that case and I try to get my bow to sit as like sturdy as possible with the sight still free-flowing does mm-hmm. that make sense
0: sure. Um, that's one, a great thing about a lot of your, your bows and sights now is that most of them are dovetail. Like yeah. you've got, you've got a Matthews bow, you've you got the, the integrated riser with the dovetail. You can just pull the whole side out. And then, yeah. you know, I've got this ultra view site, the brand new one, which the whole head is detachable. You just pull the head off of the actual dovetail itself. So I could still leave the dovetail in the bow if I wanted to, but then I can take the whole head off. I could put the whole head and I probably would if I was flying with it, i put the whole head in my carry on. Yeah. Like I just you
2: use the new stuff though. I'm on old school stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the yeah. old school shit. But,
0: but, but I'm saying I, the point being is like, uh, take the precautions to remove what for you, sure. what, what you can, anything that could get bumped, yeah. you know, and it's going to be off. You know, if you yeah. can take it off, take it off.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm using 2016 stuff. Yeah. I can't, I can't sure. change. Yeah. I can't change. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, my precaution is, is man, I spend a lot of time building a little, a little, nest. little fort, a little nest yeah. for yeah. my bow. And I use, and I use my gear accordingly, my down pants jacket. Mm-hmm. I use a uh, beanie cover the sight. I, I kind of, mm-hmm. I do this little, little care for him, you know, mm-hmm. put it a little yep. nest in the bow. That's really all that matters. And then, uh, I use the rest of the oversize for optics, tripod, everything. And I try to shove it on each side of the cam so it can't float mm-hmm. north and south within the bow case. Makes sense. Yep. Um, and then, uh, I try to do as much as I can in that in that case to just make sure there's no movement from any yep. direction. Yep. Um, and then just keep my fingers crossed and pray that there's not an anti-hunter or something yep. that's throwing my ball case around. <laughs> a few yeah.
0: other tips I had, like my broadheads, I always take those off. I always put those in mm-hmm. a safe case, separate case, so that they can't rattle free. You know, I definitely don't want to cut a string, so I don't Last leave my arrows need. put together with broadheads. I'll put my arrows together when I arrive. Yep. Uh, I always number my arrows with my broadhead so that when I get to camp, uh, I can screw on the broadhead to the arrow that I've, you know, designed, put together. So I put those together. So yeah, anything that I'm like hyper-focused on two things, like my cams and my strings. So I give those as much padding as I possibly can. Because you can detach cam. your sight. Yeah. Yeah. I can take a sight off. I can take stabilizers off. But like you end up getting a string or a cable cut in that process somehow, like you're effed.
1: Or a cam tilted.
0: Or a cam bent.
1: Yeah. yeah you're screwed. Would you ever go so far as, I mean, this is going way out there, but TSA agent opens your bow case, does mm-hmm. some touches your bow, or whatever, someone else has to touch your bow. Do you ever, would you ever put zip ties on your cable so your bow can't be drawn? I uh, no, but it's not a bad idea. So I saw that tip from Sierra Langbow. That's honestly. a great
0: it's idea. It's
2: actually a phenomenal That's a really idea. idea. So, and I guarantee you I am doing that for Canada. I thought yeah. you were
0: going to say put like some sort of electric shock through the riser. So <laughs> no, so
1: yeah, so I saw, she did a story, I think it was a couple of years ago because she travels a lot and mm-hmm. goes on these awesome hunts. But I saw she put zip ties on there, and I was like, that is genius. a Good idea. So just, I, so, just so, like, you never know who's going to touch your bow or pick it up in the, when they're checking things out mm-hmm. if they are going to try to do something. You Some don't know that seen person a couple again. You,
2: or a couple of Instagram thing and wants to see if they can pull a bow back. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't do that to mine. Yeah. Or you get
1: to camp and someone else <laughs> is, you know, has your bow, and they're going to pick it up for the first time and try to draw it back it's going to prevent it. Obviously, make sure they're tight so it's not rubbing up and down.
0: What about getting through TSA with a rifle or a handgun? Say you're going on a bow hunt. You've got a handgun with you as your personal protection. You know, you're going to Alaska um, or you've got like you, you're going to Alaska, you're rifle hunting. Any tips for getting through TSA with a rifle or a handgun?
1: I think it's super easy. It's a lot easier than so What's, the, what's the process? So I just walk up. I find the special special items area. Usually it's a faster line. So I'm always going yeah. ben- to benefit about that. And I go sit right in there because if I go try to pick up my you know baggage tags, it's going to say... If I select I have a, a firearm, it's not going to let me pick them up. I have to go there anyway, so I just go right over there. So I have to check in a firearm. I try not to say, "Hey, I got a you know a gun." I got to check in. I say firearm. i trying to use the terms that they terms that they agree with, <laughs> and then uh, you know, it's simply. They just ask you, "Hey, is your your rifle in there? Is there any ammo in there?" I say, "No." Is there ammo in the magazine? I say, "No." Sometimes they'll ask you, "Your ammo,
0: your ammo has to be stored
1: separately." separately. Separately. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it has to be stored separately in either a plastic, metal, or there's normal cardboard that you came in. You can't. You probably could get through with it, like in a a go hunt, like ammo wallet, but Mm -hmm. suggest you definitely don't want your ammo. just What do you put yours in? I have a little small, like tiny SKB case that I have little foam inserts in. That I can set in there and the ammo doesn't touch each other. doesn't bounce around or I have a little, uh, M- MTD. Gosh, I think it's MTD. Um, little ammo box is plastic, mm-hmm. I and mean, it has the same sort of thing. And I'll put a little bit of foam at the top to protect the tips So they're not rattling as well. And then I'll put strips of foam in between all the bullets as well, the bullet tips. So that way, uh, they're not, you know, rattling. I have to do every precaution I can because my ammo yeah, everything. I do the me.
0: same thing with arrows. Yeah. Foam. Yeah. Yeah, foam Keep everywhere. Mm-hmm. So
1: I'll ask you, sometimes I've had them, you know, pull out your magazine, I'll pull out the magazine. I try to take go one step further because I know a lot of these people don't understand the process. I've had some people tell me totally bass things when I go to TSA and I'm like, no, actually if you look at the TSA website, it'll say this. All my weapon is is totally fine. They're like, okay, that's cool. I didn't know that. And i try to help them through it. But I'll even take my bolt out of my rifle and put in those child safety locks on the cable mm-hmm. locks. So I'm like, hey, this can't even be fired anyway. Keys are over here, totally separate from there. i have my bolt sitting there. Sometimes we'll even bring two bolts to have one in there and I'll have one in a different in a different area. That way something happens to my bolt because I was gonna be sitting in my case. That's mm-hmm. all dialed. I bring extra locks, even though my gun, my gun case has two locks on the outside. One of them are our TSA locks. Other ones are not TSA. You can use TSA locks or you can not use TSA locks. Doesn't really matter. Some people say you have to, but you really don't it just makes it sometimes easier. If they have to get into it, use a TSA lock. And I try to find the locks that you can't really break. They're actually specifically for a, you know, a gun case or bow case. Mm-hmm. It's a lot you know more burly. So I carry those extra ones, make sure I have backup keys. That's a big thing too if you're gonna put a lock on something have backup keys test it out ahead of time if you have your there's a combination lock write your combination in your phone in your notes somewhere so you to know it or tell your friend if you're complying with them hey this is a combination to it if you have to get into it and then like i said make sure ammo separately and then like Lorenzo said stack everything up around it but when you get there i guess we'll talk about the process then you have to sign a little piece of paper like are you declaring that there's no Mm -hmm. this is your weapon or whatever and there's no ammo in there and then you put that on there They'll fold it all up. Usually they say, hey, we're gonna go for a little walk. And then you have to go for a little walk back around. You'll go back in this little room a lot of times and you'll watch the TSA agent. Put Is that your when fire you strip search? Yeah, that's it's when you scared. have to get strip searched. <laughs> no, you watch that it. didn't really happen. No, You good. watch the TSA agent, like put your weapon uh, through the little scanning thing. They'll scan it all and then they'll either tell you you're good to go or they'll say, hey, just sit outside and wait for 15, 20 minutes and we'll come walk over there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always suggest like, they say you know show up for a flight two hours early. If I'm flying with a firearm, I'm three hours early, yep. maybe even three and a half hours early. I like sitting in the airport, I like people watching, and I like drinking coffee, <laughs> and like reading a book. Well, so, and it's,
2: you got one thing: you just got to get your stuff. You got to get it through it. Who and cares like, if you're wasting a little extra? Yeah, plan time. ahead.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a hard process, but it is kind of a nerve wracking thing if you've never done it before. You want to make sure everything's safe, mm-hmm. and if you're you know doing a, a you know a sidearm as well, like how to make that work. But like just have everything dialed, have everything protected, like Lorenzo says. You know, put all your clothes in there. I'll even take my glassing pad and put mm-hmm. it on areas of my rifle to help, like it's, like he's saying, make sure nothing moves around. Yeah. We I mean, actually did a big article on go Hunt, too, and I think I did a video as well. It's called, uh, How to Safely and Efficiently Fly with Your Rifle or Bow. Cool. So yeah. you guys can look up that the, one.
2: The, the good secret sauce in there is finding the specialty or the oversized uh, yeah. line. That's the one to go to, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other big thing, too, that I've noticed is if you are prepared with the rules and laws, to help because you got to think these TSA agents, I mean, how many of them checked in weapons or firearms, if you are a little more brushed up and you can kind of help them through it, it it goes a long way. because you're confident. They're going to be
1: confident. They understand, you know, your thing, you're not just some random person trying to sketch, sketch, you know, a firearm onto an airplane. Like, you know, your stuff.
0: I will say flying in the lower 48, like flying to Alaska, I've had no problem getting there. I've had much, and I wouldn't say I've had issues coming back from Alaska, but it's definitely a more, it's a more lengthy process for whatever reason, like flying from Anchorage to Seattle. Those TSA agents in Anchorage, for whatever reason, they like to go through things with a fine-tooth comb. And, I mean, I've had some really long exchanges where people have pulled handguns apart, searched everything. You know, I've, I've almost missed flights. So, mm-hmm. you know, the tip on planning ahead and having ample amount of time is key. Yeah.
1: And when you're yeah. coming back from a hunt, that's where you really have to make sure you don't have any ammo on. Yeah. Not nope, yeah. in a magazine. In carry-on. Like <laughs> carry-ons,
0: anything like.
1: I got a
2: story for you.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Did you have a handgun and carry-on?
2: I did. You did? I did. Recently? No. Oh. Was you're now college. on the TSA watch list? I was for did sure. You lose, lost it? So I was hunting elk in, in Montana. And, you know, elk. I'm in college. I'm looking to have a good time as well. Elk season happens to be during college football. College football games are really fun to go to. Mm -hmm. And I had a a friend of mine, my roommate, Miles Suberg, and he had a connection to University of Texas. So we were going down to the University of Texas game. We were going to go party in Austin and have a good time. We were hunting elk beforehand. And, uh, you know, I'm in college not thinking completely straight because there's other things that you're having fun with, you know, so you just kind of lose track of what's going on. I was hunting elk till, it was Tuesday, through the weekend till Tuesday. Had a sidearm on me and uh, put it in my backpack when I was just done hunting, you know, you just kind of throw everything back in your truck and go. Put it back in my in my backpack, um, and that's the other, other thing too, is whenever I hunt like that, like where we're going on Thursday, I always bring just a backpack of just clothes, mm-hmm. you know, just extra clothes, whatever. So when you get back to the truck, you just kind of have fresh athletic yep. gear to change into. And I put my gun back in that bag. And uh, go back to school Wednesday, Thursday, leave on Friday morning. Thursday's a big night to party in Missoula. Obviously went out that night, why not? I was in college and uh, grabbed that backpack early Friday morning, taking the first flight out of Missoula. And I just didn't go through that bag. I just took those clothes out, threw new clothes back in, grabbed that um, carry-on and right and not checking a bag, nothing. Sure. It was just a quick trip, go down mm-hmm. and watch a UT football game, have some fun in Austin, come back. I go through the Missoula um, TSA and I'm standing there and it's pretty quiet. I don't know if anybody's ever, you've definitely flown through Missoula. It's super quiet in the morning and sitting there, no big deal, no big deal going through TSA check goes through the x-ray thing. Next thing I know it's like real quiet and there's like some whispering going on between the two TSA agents (laughs) and then two more TSA agents, five more (laughs) TSA agents, a bunch more TSA agents. There had to have been 15 or 20 of them there. And I'm like, looking. and I'm like, man, this is really yeah. weird. Never had this happen. And then it, it finally clicked in my head. I'm like, holy shit, that gun's in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just kind of have those yeah, flashes. You're starting to work like, I never took that gun out. <laughs> yeah. So I ran over there. I'm like, hey, I know exactly what's going on. Made it worse. Oh, and uh, instead yeah, of letting it, it, it worse? oh, yeah, me going to pressure them. I should have just stayed back and acted dumb. Really? Yeah. I yeah, don't think
0: it would be like, hey, I, I know what happened. I'm I'm let, I have you. a handgun. That's what I'm, I did. Yeah, that's but what I did. But if I would have do. just
2: played stupid the whole time, well the the TSA they got real jumpy that I like was to them, you know, voice was obviously elevated trying to say like, "Hey, I know exactly what happened. The gun's in there." But now they're thinking I'm just caught or something. I don't know. Anyways, take me back into this room. All white room. <laughs> All white. White walls, white everything. Questioning me about everything, who I am, what I'm doing. Am I really a hunter? What do you know about hunting? I even had a guy asking me about elk. He, I mean, I'm in Montana. He's looking for a spot. <laughs> yeah, he's looking for a spot, but <laughs> yeah. he was kind of like pressing me to make sure I'm, I am yeah. a hunter, you know? So I was telling him this, I, two, three hours later, finally calmed down that it was truly just an accident. Sure. And then I had for like months after that, I had a uh, detective Moss from the FBI would call me randomly just totally random and ask me questions hmm. to make sure it would all it was all staying I finally caught on after like the third or fourth time 6 months later it's a fourth call from detective moss right he's asking me the same you know same questions in a huh. different way I'm like dude I am I'm on a list wow yeah. and then every time I traveled from there Did I, you lose that gun? I, no, no, I got it back. No kidding. And I had a pocket knife in there too, which oh, made wow. it worse. Nowadays I don't um, know if you'd keep it. No, nowadays. Yeah. This you, yeah, this is big, back in big 2000. You talking this is 2008. Yeah. yeah, It was a long time. And in Montana, yeah. if I would have done that in Vegas, who who knows? Mm-hmm. But I was definitely on a list because every time I traveled from then on out, I was always, I was always, like, it can't be
0: coincidence yeah, that you're just a random guy yeah. every
2: time from here on out. Well. And uh, yeah, I was definitely on a list for yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, PSA, don't fly with a hand. Don't take your carry on. I it. And it
2: was, it was scary. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. in that room and being questioned like pretty hardcore in the very first I part bet. of it because I didn't know how much trouble I was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that was an interesting, that was an interesting And a one. big
0: fine
1: now, right? Huge yeah, I think fine. it's like a five or seven. Thanks, like that.
2: thanks, Dad. Ouch. That was a big find.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, da- f- my dad was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I got it. I have a few more tips on there because I think it's an yeah. interesting subject. So as I was talking about the safety thing, like having your, not a bow case specifically for a bow and a rifle case. I know it's very tempting to be like a rock star and throw all these, you know, hunting stickers all over your rifle case. Don't do that. Mm. Don't be that person because that's just again you're attracting attention to that you have a firearm in there which again could get beat up or someone could that's why nice unless it's
0: a go hunt sticker you got to have that gotta on there got to have oh. that on there
1: but I, i've even gone so i don't have any hunting stickers on i will take a silver sharpie cuz my bokeh or rifle can and case you there. write
0: guitar on it guitar <laughs> <yeah>. fragile <laughs> fragile <laughs> be careful uh, not a firearm <laughs> no I,
1: I write my uh my name my my address my phone number on there United States or whatever I'm traveling international hmm. just so that obviously is on there plus a little you know normal tag on the side um, but then when you're getting your you have to go get your firearm this is where keeping your baggage receipt thing is very important because your, your firearm is not going to go down through the normal yeah. baggage claim area. You're going to have to go over to the to specialty, specialty area, like oversized luggage.
2: And check in with the the airline that you flew on. Yep. They'll have their own little section. So you, you gotta have to pull your to... driver's
1: license out. You have to pull that out. They're going to look at it. They're going to walk back in the room, double check it, walk out. And a lot of times you walk back out and uh, they'll zip tie your rifle case closed. That way you can't open it up when you're in the airport and do something silly. So they'll take yeah. a big zip tie, like a really thick one, and zip tie it closed. Yeah
0: sometimes with a bow they'll check it just like a normal bag you just say no it's a bow and arrow and then sometimes they'll pull you they'll take you to that separate line oh they will still yeah that? I have I've had both and I've been like okay yeah just whatever you need to do even though I've said look there's no handgun it's, in not, there. it's, it's just, not a it's firearm, just a bow not you know. a firearm at all it's just a compound bow and yeah Typically, you just when you check your bags, just ask them what they need to do, and they'll send you to the appropriate place. Yeah. Usually,
1: so. and and there is some places you'll fly, whether it's airlines or international, where you do have weight limits on the amount mm-hmm. of ammo you can bring, the quantity of ammo. Mexico's a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. And then you might need some rifle import permits as well, so you might have to go and you know fill a bunch of paperwork to get your rifle imported. Gotcha. So I'm just,
2: definitely doing the zip tie on my bow. That was a, great, yeah, that that was a good one. Really yeah, Sierra good tip right is there. very smart. That was she a very good it. tip. I'm taking that one.
0: That was a good one. Learned. I learned a lot. Even. Yeah. I'll be down. You know where I was going with that one. Nope. What do you got next? Oop. Let me wake my computer we got. A, up. We probably got time for a few more. And then yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll try to blow through some of these a little bit quicker maybe. This is a good one for you boys. And then we have lots of gear questions, I should say. We've had tons of gear questions, but we're going to do a separate podcast. where we we're, we're, we're doing a gear dump. Basically, yeah. going to dump out backpacks, and a lot of those will be addressed in that podcast, yep. so wait for it.
1: Yep. This one's by a person named Skylar. Skyler. Question: Planning a late season rifle elk hunt in Colorado next year, well, meaning this year. I heard elk move down later in the season, but I've seen the last few go hunt videos of yours, and it seems like you've been running into elk high. I only got I only get out west hunting every couple of years, so I'd like to take as much advice as you're willing to give. Thanks. Mm. Thoughts on thoughts on that? Colorado. I'm probably talking about a second season, third season hunt. Elk are going to be high. Snow levels. Where are they going to be at? Mid level. What would you give them, advice, Trail? Big elk
0: uh, guy over there. Man, it's it's so weather dependent, you know? Yep. I think if you... I mean, you have to put down a lot of snow that time of year for them to, like, really move down into, like, low elevation stuff where you're going to see them consistently. I think for the most part where they've been hunted through the archery hunt and the muzzleloader hunt, you know, you've got first rifle. If they've got a season in that unit, you're going to have elk that are pretty pressured. So I think they're probably looking more for, you know, seclusion and pockets. And so... I'm not saying that they couldn't be low, but probably somewhere in the middle, to be honest. Transitionary range, heavily timbered, um, you know, pockets out of the way. I I would probably put more emphasis on pressure at that point than I would habitat and elevation. So I would really be looking for, you know, pockets that are, uh, you know, either out of the way, remote, tucked in behind a private chunk. Um, You know, they've got to have some habitat needs, but I would put more emphasis on pressure that time of year than anything. And I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to be where people aren't. Yeah. They're going to be probably mid elevation, a lot of timber, you know, just pockets. And I don't know that it's completely elevational dependent that time of year for elk. Yeah, I don't think I could answer that any better. That's literally perfect. I was going to say pressure is the
1: biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Where do elk want to be where there's no hunters, so they're going to I'm go into deep, nasty holes and, and sometimes that might be higher elevation, sometimes that might not be, but it's whatever. There's aren't people, that's where they're going to be.
0: I'm thinking last year to Porter's Hunt, we, yep. were, we were seeing elk, they were low, but yep. they were also hugging the edge of private, private. land. I yeah. mean, they were on private, they were on public sometimes. We, we saw them work on the public, but we were literally standing there watching elk work from private to public. You know, And right.
2: they didn't hit the public until, I mean, you could have still shot them for you, sure, you, but you it could was have like shot them, the last 10 minutes. It was the yeah. last
0: sliver yeah. Yeah, of legal hunting light, so yeah, you think pressure, I would, you know, yeah, whether you're thinking high or low. Yeah. It goes into the, Hyundai's probably referring
1: to last year where I shot that raghorn. Mm-hmm. People I ran into said so they haven't seen any elk. We've been in elk every single day because we were going further than anyone else, so we were getting into those unpressured zones, and, and that's were pre- pretty weren't. heavily timbered, right? Pockets, yeah. steep Very country.
2: Mm-hmm. Deep canyons, timber. Deep Bastard canyons, the
1: elk timber. Elk timber. B. It just so happened it was, you know, still at a high elevation. There's a lot of elevation mm-hmm. lower than that, but. They were there because of I think pressure. If oh. you got
0: if you got like once in a decade type snow, you know you're not getting up there anyway because you probably don't have access to it. You know at that point maybe they are moving lower elevation, but for the most part, Colorado November. I mean they could be from the bottoms to the ag fields to the tip top.
2: Yeah, they are they are they can live anywhere and thrive mm-hmm. anywhere. So their whole thing their whole thing they is really just are pressure. The perfect That's perfect
0: animal. I'd say. <laughs> they re- Whoa, it, it really is <laughs> Whoa. pressure.
2: One hundred percent is pressure. And those remember, there was that big herd on public. Yep. But very, very first day, this uh, the second they got shot at, all those mm-hmm. elk scattered back into deep timbered pockets. And I mean, it's it's all about pressure on those hunts.
0: <clears throat> Wrong pipe. Drink some water. <laughs> um. Staying hydrated. <laughs> hey. Sparkling water does that oh, count? Gross. It's still water. It's still water. Is it's it got though? sodium in it? Mm-hmm. All right, you ready for another one? Hit me. All right, I'm gonna hit Lorenzo with this one. Oh boy! All right, you have a week to hunt elk with a bow in September. What week are you choosing, and why?
2: September fifteenth,
0: fifteenth through the twenty fourth. I would probably
2: put the fifteenth right in the middle of my of my hunt dates. Not Either side of guy. it,
0: so you would you you put the fifteenth at the center of it?
2: Yeah, that's what I would do.
0: Gotcha. Why?
2: I think elk elk from where I've hunted them, Nevada, Utah. Colorado, Montana, Mm -hmm. all over the place. There is something very special about the 15th of September with elk, just like I feel like November 11th with deer. There's just Mm -hmm. uh, from, it's all anecdotal. Um, but if I had 10 days and I had the entire month of September to choose, I would put the 15th right in the middle of my hunt dates. My thought process would be those first four and a half days, would be pre-rut maybe find a mature bull that's just getting going Mm -hmm. doesn't isn't on cows yet
0: maybe not quite as you could call him in with a cow call maybe Maybe. because he's
2: cruising for cows just like my wife's bull uh last year you know he's he was just getting going checking cows out in the morning but he was pulling off the cows Mm -hmm. mid after uh late after mid afternoon that's why we killed him late afternoon he's all all by himself but he was just bugling just enough to let us know where he was he was responding to cow calls so we could keep location on him i could Hear him coming off the hill, but he had no cows surrounded with him. I think that
0: bull I killed last year was September. I want to say it was the ninth or tenth, and I cow called that bull in. Yep. And I, 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 wondered. I've often wondered. Um, was it just like timing? You know, like because he had some cows. Like he had cows he's gathered up, but he was, you know, maybe getting greedy, just checking.
2: Yeah. And that's how I, those those first those days before the fifteenth. That's how I feel those days go. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've had good luck with mature bulls actually just pulling off and coming to a cow call, kind of forgetting what they have in front of them. I like that. Um, Mid afternoon, they seem to be by themselves before the fifteenth, and then there's something special about that fifteenth itself, where every day after that just seems like it gets chaotic mm-hmm. and going. And then who knows what's going to happen? I mean, a lot of the mature bulls get you know pretty wiped up with a big harem and pretty clo- you know, pretty hard to get close to those bulls. But then you got satellite bulls and maybe he's running off a satellite bull that, that pulls him out of the uh, mm-hmm. herd of cows, whatever it is. Challenge bugles start to work later into that September. Um, and it, it gives me, I feel like those four days before and those four days after or five days after kind of give me all parts of the hunt, like hopefully. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the November 11th with deer is that's that pre where those big bucks are checking, but mm-hmm. they're going to pull off in the afternoon and maybe be by themselves. And then they're coming in at night, checking, pulling off by themselves. It kind of gives you. And then after the 11th, it just seems like it gets hotter and hotter. That's how I feel about the 15th with elk. Gotcha. I'm we're really
1: we're curious about, about me. My my suggestion. You got any? I want to hear, I hear, I hear up a rifle and hunt later in the year. You got any? <laughs> no. I want to hear trails because yeah, you're the I want to hit tra- trails too, but I want to ask him because you're a big wallow sitter. Oh yeah. So but love a good wallow <laughs> sitter. So let's just, theoretically, if your hunt open. August 25th, they went through all the way to the end of September. Mm-hmm. You got, you have one week yourself and you know, I know you love wall sitting. Ooh. So when would it really be? And Man. then I want to follow up question after that for you.
0: It's going to depend on the tag.
1: Yeah. it depend on the area, the t- topography, the terrain for sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, if I'm hunting New Mexico, you know, I was going to throw out units, but I know you hate that. I do hate it. Um, so I won't say, but <laughs> if I'm hunting some low, lower country, cedar sage type country. And, you know, those elk are dependent on water tanks. Uh, and it's hotter in August, obviously, or September, first part of September. I think their hunt opens the first, their first hunt. I'm hunting. Yeah, I'm going to hunt the first week. And I think it's a great, it is my opinion. I think it's a great time to target a big bull because they're, they're pretty habitual throughout the summer and then through the end of August, maybe that first part of September, they're going to hit the same water sources. You know, they're going to come in and start thinking about wallowing, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's a great time when you don't, you probably don't have to deal with a whole bunch of cows and calves and calling one end. You could set a water hole and kill a great bull. Do you, I wanted you to continue, but I won't mm-hmm. here. Do you think a lot of people don't do that because they
1: want to call in a bull? Sure.
0: Yeah, calling them a bull's awesome. So, hearing hearing that, bull so that's amazing. why they want to go. They want to go to the rut. That's why they, they want to go to the hunt elk. Yeah. So, so I mean if I'm tip. if I'm hunting an over-the-counter unit or super easy to draw unit, at that point and it's got a lot of pressure, I probably am going later, like Lorenzo Lorenzo's saying, because at that point you're using the audible cues of an elk to 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 find him, right? Mm-hmm. You're not so dependent on you know, an elk having a hab- a habit, right? Like going to water or wall or something like that. So, in those cases, yeah, you're using, and I'm not hung up on, I'll kill an elk anyway. I can kill it. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not like romantic about calling a bull in. I think it's cool. But I am. Are you? Yeah, about calling for sure. one in? Yeah. I'd
2: kill a 306 point if he's coming in bugling and I'm cow calling and working oh, him and he's coming in looking. And I like, I'd kill a yeah. 306 point over a 330 bull all day
0: long. Yeah, that way. doesn't bug me one way or the other. I don't care. I mean really? I li- no, I like calling elk and I like to hear the sound. I don't think there's any better sound on the planet than, than a bugle and bull. I love the sound of it, but calling one in is just not like I'm not hung up on it. Like that's I like my, I like that, killing
2: elk. That's my waterfowl blood yeah, coming out sure. in me. I love working a pack of birds. And I get it. <laughs> I mean I, I
0: I totally understand it. Yeah. I love I th- I think it's cool that people they love that interaction, and I think it's romanticized. You know, it is. Oh, it's I like I bugle, that. he calls. You know, he comes in, and he's looking for love, and I shoot him. I think it's cool, but right. I mean, I'll, I'll shoot an elk happily over a water source and feel great about it. But um, yeah, in regards to I was curious. I I, I was I'm like you, so I would have said you know like the fifteenth, like the twenty fifth, somewhere yep. in that neighborhood is. Kind I, was, of the best. I was exactly
1: working on one of your
0: articles that mm-hmm. you wrote, and you mentioned the fifteenth to the
1: twenty fifth. Yeah,
0: that's kind of my window. Um, I was just, and that's just off the top of my head. I mean, re- regardless of where I hunted across the West, it feels like if I'm hunting the 15th to the 25th, I'm gonna get into, you know, rut and the bulls are gonna be callable. So my second follow up to
1: my other questions earlier, do you pay attention to the equinox at all? So equinox I, is that I, I time frame when daylight mm-hmm. equals the same amount of daylight hours sure. as there's dark hours.
0: I don't because I'm not I'm not a witch or anything like that. Because <laughs> That's September twenty <laughs> September twenty third this year. twenty third this year. Yeah, I looked. I actually looked at Mark's article on the website just yeah, because I was curious. That's why I'm bringing it up because yeah, that, that's so, a
1: really good article. It puts a lot of yeah. You know, some people are like, oh yeah, you're talking about those dates because you're going to go some other dates. That's what some people always yeah try to think when you. Give well, a there's, prime, prime the, elk date. So if you say
0: September 15th to the 25th, the thing about this question need, is, is it's so pers- there's a lot of variables here. It depends yeah. on where you're hunting, the tag you've got. It depends on the type of bull you're wanting to hunt and kill. It depends on if the experience you want to have, if you want to call elk. There's a lot of variables that go into that. But I was looking at his article. So he suggested the 17th, to the 26th, of September yep. this year. The Equinox is the 23rd. Um, his second choice he suggested was the 14th through the 23rd. So you're right there in that same, same, same window, same window. Um, you know, what's funny is I was watching a draft, the first draft of the elk film, my elk film from last year. And there's a, there's a piece of it right there. A little, little 10 second clip where I'm, uh, I'm taking pictures of the full moon through my spotting scope with my digiscope adapter. And I'm like, Oh look, full moon, you know, elk hunting and full moon, right? Check that out. And, I mean, if you don't know, full moon and elk hunting typically don't go well together because you get a full moon at night. It's really bright, so the elk are out feeding all night long, you know, and if they are rutting, the bulls are mostly rutting at night because it's cooler. Um, I called in and killed a bull the next day. Full moon the night before. So, I mean, is it ideal? No, but I would still take a full moon and the 15th through the 25th.
1: Cause at the end of the day, you're yep. still hunting because and you can't, the, I can't let those thoughts creep in your head like, Oh, hunting's gonna suck. If that's the only time you have vacation time, that's when you're hunting.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and the moon, they're still gonna th- rut, they're, still gonna, yeah, they're the, still gonna bugle.
2: The moon phase is the moon phase, you can't yeah. control that. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like there's, there's just something special about the you, the you 15th may have day. to
0: adapt your hunting. So, yeah. like, you maybe got to get up earlier and you work know, in on try, them in the dark, try to get yourself into a position because you may have less of a window, you know, before dark and after light when they're. You know, when they're vocal. How do you feel about
2: no moon on September 15th? be amazing. That's what I have this year. <laughs>
0: I, feel, I feel that. Yeah. What does the kid say? I F with that? I, yeah, I, I F with <laughs> I that. I feel that.
2: Yeah, Omar and I, There's the, the moon phase winds up really well this year mm-hmm. with the hunt dates. Young Omar. Young Omar.
0: Young Omar. I more. do look at the moon phase, but I, I mean, you can't, you
2: can't control it, so it True. is what it is. Yeah. I mean, the hunt dates are the hunt dates. I can't mm-hmm. control that, yep. so it is what it is, but I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, shit.
0: Or you can be like those Arizona guys and just hunt water holes on a full moon at night. (laughs) Utah guys, you mean? Wait, wait. what? I thought those were Utah guys. Those were Arizona guys. I don't know. Utah.
2: Shade.
3: Pew, pew.
2: That's that's some sketchy stuff there,
1: boys. Uh, One more thought on this. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you and Neville Mm -hmm. went on Elkhart in Montana a few years ago. Uh Uh-huh. You guys, archery. You went in October yeah what was the reasoning for that why did you choose october
0: i think i was busy in september hunting elk somewhere else but yeah it was i've heard rumors and i have people that that elk hunt a lot that are good elk hunters that i respect a lot that really like that october time frame one because everybody's going to burn their time in september Everybody wants to go hunt the 15th through the 25th of september so if you go october with a bow where their season is so long you you don't have much competition in the field i've been on some october hunts like my kid you know, that was an October rifle hunt and you have some of those cows that are still, you know, either second cycle or maybe late cycle. Um I've had I've I've seen some bulls really bugling and getting after it in October. Second cycle can be really can, good. It's can, just so hit or really miss. Good. Yeah, it can be so hit or miss. If I had one week, I'm going in September. Yeah. Because I feel like I can count on that. Yeah.
2: But if you are looking to extend elk seasons, right? You just don't want to go on one sure. a year. You want to go on two a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, every once in a while, you are going to get lucky in October with that second cycle. And it is. Uh, Sometimes it's pretty damn good. The problem we had
0: is it got really cold. And you guys got get a lot of snow, right? And we got a lot of snow. Like in you know, an, uh, probably one of the most epic snowstorms I've ever been out in. It sucked. That'll make it tough. Yeah. Made it tough with a bow. What else you got? Any other questions? Yeah, I got one. We can we could do got, one more. I got I got one more maybe. And okay. Let's do two more. Two more? Two more. So mine and yours? <laughs> two more each? <laughs> Let's do two more. Uh, I don't one
2: care. More I'm gonna start sure getting I can talk ones. about this stuff all day. Yeah, eventually if we
0: if you got one more hunting one. Yeah,
1: one more hunting one. All right, it's from uh JC. Hey, I'm a huge fan of chasing mule in the backcountry and still learning those unpredictable gems. I'm wondering what to change up or look for in a drought year. I hunt sixty three hundred to seven thousand foot elevation in opening weekends in years past when it's been drought found little or no deer um any tips would be greatly appreciated for hunting drought in the mountains
0: um for deer feed north i mean north facing slopes are going to it's going to hold more you know more moisture in the soil better vegetation um so i w- i would say look for you know look for feed and a lot of that on a drought year I mean, everything's going to be dry, but you definitely have aspect of the slopes and elevation that's going to retain more uh, moisture in the soil and thus better better vegetation.
1: Yeah, look for the thick stuff. Yeah. That's what I would do. Try to find some thicker areas, like I said, north slopes. Maybe use the terrain analysis tool ahead of time, start picking out some areas. If you've got a chance to go scouting out there, figure out where some of those you know areas that are a mm-hmm. little bit wetter and try to hone in on that using that tool and try to mark a bunch of areas or trace a bunch so you have them on the map when you go offline. And then just... Kind of glassing everything still though. I still would not give up on a lot of other stuff. Like you're finding, you know, if you can go higher elevation, maybe try to go higher elevation. Maybe go a little bit lower. Maybe try to, you know, adjust your glassing, go down the mountain a little bit, but try to glass some thicker stuff because a lot of those bucks might just be bedded the whole time.
0: On a really dry year too. I mean, water late season can be it can be pretty critical for deer. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's some late season uh, video and just pictures I've seen from you know those bucks on the ponds and. You know the the strip, and it, probably a lot of other areas are no different. You'll see those deer in November just piling into water holes, mm-hmm. and and pretty centrally located around them because they just gotta have water. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're talking late October, November. If it's really dry and really hot, water can be good and in, in and around water. That's a good one.
2: They're in rut ruddy and active. Yep. Yeah, water water is a big deal. Yep. Can I throw a little nugget out there mm-hmm. that we're working on? There's real-time hydrology mapping layers that will show you where uh, where the water's being held in the ground, which is obviously going to produce the best feed. Um, and we're working on that. So yes, sir. We're nice. uh, we're working on that. So use that um, when it comes out. Yeah, but but <laughs> vi- but visually, yeah. Look for the bright green. I mean, if it really is that droughty, look for the bright green. That's mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be in and around the bright green feed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And is this is another good use case too for historical imagery. Yeah. On Google maps, sure. so you can try to find some other years or maybe look up some other years that were drought years and then see if you can find an image date that from correlates. that year that correlates with that. And mm. then you can see what okay, where are the green patches the on a drought map? year? Yep. And try to use that to your advantage.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. Historical imagery could be really helpful in that mm-hmm. regard.
2: I, I yeah, I think it's extremely helpful for drought condition. Yeah. I, I actually think that's probably one of the most effective reasons for it.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, last one. This is kind of a gear one, but I think it's applicable and I think it, it'll round things out because assuming that you have some luck this fall, which we hope everybody does and we would love, if you guys have luck, let us know. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to see pictures and stuff. I I love that, man. I had a guy oh, yeah. the other day send me uh, two years of two different bull elk that he'd killed and he was like, man, just, I watched film stoked for this year to get out. Here's a couple of bulls that I shot and like, I love that shit. That's so me too. Cool. Yep. So, in regard to that, let's, we, we hope you all have some luck. But for those people that are, you know, maybe coming out or even ourselves, right? We're going out. Um, what size coolers, what coolers do you guys recommend mm. for bone in muley, bone out muley, bone in elk, bone out elk?
1: It's uh, actually a really good question. Yeah. What do you got? I always pack the, what is it, the Yeti 150, Tundra 150, and mm-hmm. then the uh, 105.
0: I think they have a 125 and a 1. Are you talking the ton the the, the big white one gotcha that's, the big that's dog.
1: a bug not the big big dog the 150.
0: there's a 160.
1: maybe it's a the 160 then
0: yeah well that's yep, sorry a, it is
1: yep, it is a 160. i should have looked so at will that
0: first. fit you're talking muley yeah okay bone in
1: no always bone out bone out because and the, ice yep because i always like to have i take frozen water jugs okay so i'll take like eight or ten frozen water jugs like gallon jugs keep them frozen throw them in my cooler, try to fill up other things in that cooler, take up all the air sprays. If I have to, I'll take some, you know, even towels from my shower, just to take up all the air space so that ice will stay in there longer. And I never open those, basically it's a kill cooler. Mm -hmm. And uh, just because- I've uh, never used that, never heard of it even. Yeah, because if you you take all, (laughs) you? No. Towels fill up space? No, never. Yeah, because all the air circulates around, you know, even though it's sitting in there, that's, you know, potentially warmer air. So if you can fill all that void, I guess why, you know, if you fill a cooler up fuller with ice and drinks Mm -hmm. and food, if you're going on a little vacation thing, it's going to stay colder longer. I just
0: thought it was because there's more.
1: <laughs> so that's why it's more. That's why you, that's why you take the towel It's to fill up extra space. Like, yeah. It'd be great to freeze those, you know, make them whatever and put them in there. But even sure. just a dry towel can work. Just take up that space in there and then never never open it. Then you can use the towel to take a
0: shower when you get back. You could. There we go.
1: But I always like to have two. Like I said, because those jugs are going to take up a lot of space and I want to have enough room to lay my meat in there and let it, mm-hmm. you know, not don't want that's why I like the frozen jugs rather than You know, cubed ice because cube ice is going to make water eventually when that when that melts. But the water inside the jug is going to be frozen. It's not going to escape. So my meat's not going to get you know tainted with water. And I'll also then, when I get back, lay a uh, big three mil black contractor bag over top of all the ice, and then kind of set those game bags on there, let them cool. That's why I have the two coolers. Obviously, one is also going to have the hide in it because as Trail always
0: comments, I love to mount everything, Mm. everything.
1: So, absolutely. I was everything.
0: actually thinking, I was hunting the other day and I was like, if I shoot a spike elk, what do I do with it? Cause I don't, I don't know if I pack it out or not, but then I got to thinking I'd probably mount it if I'm Brady, you should mount that spike. Shoulder no, fully. <laughs> no, Full I, shoulder. I,
1: I, I, do, I do draw a line on immature animals. What about a nice
0: velveteen spike? You wouldn't know? Yeah. No. no. Not right. a shoulder mount? No. All no. right, well, now I know what to do.
1: <laughs> so cool I, I always take those two. If, I, if I'm, I'm not a, like for an elk, I'd probably throw another cooler in there.
0: Yeah. I was going to suggest, like, for an elk, like two 125s. Yeah. Um, you know, two 160s would be even better because you can fit more ice. Depends on how far you're going, I guess. But, yeah, I would say, you know, you could you could probably fit all the meat in a 160 boned out, but you're not going to have a lot of room for ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would suggest two 220s or two 125 Yetis.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the double. Yeah. No, not a single cooler. You got to have two.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. takes up a lot of room in a 4Runner. I know that. Yes, it does. Yeah. What do you guys do? Tacoma bed and a 4Runner. Yeah. See you later after that. Yeah.
1: So it doesn't really impact you because you can throw your cooler inside. But, like, what do you do for a cooler protection? You're out there on a hunt, you know, like,
0: I don't know. I don't worry about it because I have 4Runner, but what do you guys do?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's tough.
2: It really is tough. Try to park in the shade. You know, try to do as much as I can. Try to drape some. I got a uh, frame over the bed of my truck try to drape something over that if I can. Yeah, keep some shade on it. Yeah, just some shade, a little bit of shade. I try to just park very shaded, like, treat up
1: areas. And then the other question, what about human protection? You ever worried about someone coming and jacking your cooler? Do you, you put, like, out of it, like cable you're, locks? De-
0: you're a deplorable human being if you steal my cooler?
2: Yeah, you are You're a POS. You don't deserve anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worse than a thief, man. Because everyone knows,
1: you know, 160 Yeti, that's expensive. I know.
2: But no, I've never, I've never done anything to combat it or, yeah. like, because I just, you know, I don't want to believe that there's that shitty of people in the put world. Put it in the cab, I, know, I guess,
0: but you fill the thing up. If you fill the, fill the, the thing up, thing you can't up. move it,
2: yeah. I just, no, I've never done any, like, human protection from they it.
0: Did you have lock things, I guess, on it. I put, c- I
1: put tro camera cable locks through mine and then lock yeah, it down, you really lock tie it down it. In, in the bed of my truck. Gotcha. And then have a tonneau cover as well. I can lock that. Yeah, you why know, so I really want to get a new truck so I can get a topper on it so I can feel a little bit more secure and people can't see in there. Man,
2: people are shitty. Thieves I,
1: we've, we've had people steal gas before. People steal gas can. Yeah. Mm.
2: It's crazy. It's really yeah. shitty. You got to think about that. It just adds another thing to it, and I've never, I've never dealt with it. Oh. i just kind of always yeah. held on to hope that there's good people out there where I am. Yeah, <laughs> for know. guys
1: who are even putting trail cams out by their trucks too to try to catch people and breaking into it. Cody Boar's raising his hand on Cody Forty Five. I mean, it's if you're
2: really concerned and trying to protect it, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah. But then are you considered using a trail camera during a non-trail camera part no, of the I season? Think, oh, I, here we go. Oh, it, trying to get deer crossing right there, and then you're going to use that to hunt. So you're technically it, illegal, Cody, by using a trail camera during a like, season. I don't know how those apples got in that yeti <laughs> yeah. with, the, with, the, <laughs> with the cooler open. I have, no, <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I'm
0: not baiting deer. These are just my apple collection. I'm trying to keep cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a break. That's probably a good spot to round it out, huh? Yeah, that was a good, a good episode. That I mean, was a good one. Hopefully, I mean, we, we have a bunch more. Like I said, I think I probably have another 20 or so that are more gear related. We'll probably run through some of those in another podcast. Where we going just do a gear dump. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Good, Like I said, good luck, everybody. Yeah, honestly, he's here. Send us photos. Yeah, nice send time. photos. We love photos. Where, tag, where us, tag us. Tag us and what are they the the photos.
1: Reach us at GoHunt.com? Yeah, reach us at GoHunt.
0: Share them on Instagram. Tag
1: us on Instagram. Reach us. That's probably oh, one two thing I show.
0: learned recently reviews are big. For so, if you leave yeah. us a review, I mean, if you hate the episode, just keep it to yourself, but give us a five star review. <laughs> 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 if you did like the episode, leave us a review and leave us five stars.
2: Yeah, we had no idea that that was a thing to help yeah, a podcast. I don't, podcast know, I don't grow. know
0: shit about
1: algorithms. I've read yeah. through yeah. some more reviews on the podcast, are actually, really good. People are calling out some good, good episodes or good, like I said, some suggestions about more nutrition stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, leave us a public review on. Wherever you check out your podcast. Cool. Thanks, man. Y'all.